Correct. So this is the Boy Howdy Podcast for the weekending. What's today's date? Who gives a shit? (laughs) Look on your fucking computer while you're listening to this. Um, It is, of course, the week before National Annie Day. Oh, yeah. Annie's birthday is next uh, Thursday, uh, February 2nd. That's right. So if you want to send her a gift in the mail, uh, what's your address? It's got a naked lady painted on, no, the, on, on I, the mailbox. No, I learned the very hard way about not giving your address to people on the internet. Whoa, what happened? Have I ever told you about that story? No. My first stalker. No. When I was maybe um, 13, I had a website that I ran online and all this other stuff. And um, Was that the Wishbone or uh, this the was, Robin Hood? I, maybe, it was either Robin Hood or maybe it been something else that I was doing <laughs> at the time. Was it the Dig? Fan site? It was either the Dig. Okay, so I ran three <laughs> fan sites in my day. I ran a shitty Aww. Dig website that I never really went anywhere. The Dig being, of course, LucasArts Point and Click Adventure. Yeah. Um, uh, Disney's Robin Hood, which we've talked about, and also The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, which I don't think I've ever talked about on the air. Wow. Okay. Um, but that, uh, these are the three fan sites I ran and um, or was involved with at the time. And uh, I think he got through me to, to Johnny Quest fandom, and he was just my ebro, and would email me all the time. Yeah. And um. Finally, one day I get an email from him saying, um, oh, they're shutting down. I'm losing my internet access, and I want to write you a letter, because I'm not going to have email. I'm not going to have internet yeah, exactly, for, yeah. like, a couple of months. We need to do the real world snail mail. Exactly. Yeah. And so I give him, I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. And not really thinking, I just send him my email, my, my snail mail address. And then, immediately after I hit send, I realize that this is a strange man, an adult male I've met on the internet, who's easily, like, in his late 30s. Yeah. Um, who is totally feeding me a pile of shit. I was 13 years old. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. And I just fucking have a panic attack. This is over a Johnny Quest site? Um, well, I mean, it's it's it, fandom bros. Yeah. There, it may start in fandom, but wow. it, if real fandom bros does not stay in fandom. Yeah, he could be listening to this right He now. may be listening to this right now! He could still <laughs> be stalking me. Ew. Well, here's the thing. I never heard from him again. Oh. One way or the other. But did never he, did anything. He you something? No. Oh, never okay. anything. That was the last time I heard from him. I freaked out. Oh, I thought this was gonna end with him so like sending you a chocolate mold of his penis it never uh, thank god i freaked out i did not go on the internet again for like a couple okay, of months so that's not actually that's that's a scary story but it's not interesting in well, that it, it was, ends with like it's, it's not actually an interesting story you didn't get a jar of mayonnaise <laughs> mayonnaise <laughs> that's right oh yeah no no it was just one of those things where it was like that was pretty much set the tone of the internet for me for a long time that was a good first lesson like, too yeah exactly it's like, it could have ended worse is all I'm saying. Instead, I just freaked out to my parents, had a long conversation with them about. Um, oh, so they knew. That's actually cool that they. Well, I like, told them immediately. Okay, yeah. Because I freaked the hell out. Rather than just hiding in your bedroom, wondering if the guy was going to climb through your window. I freaked the, the hell out, and I talked to my parents about it. Because I'm funny, a square. Because being a guy on the internet, I have no problem putting my address on the internet, and all the girls I know, when they see like me just randomly. Oh, you drive me crazy with like, that. Like everyone's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Who's going to come after me? Name going to come after me? Who gives a shit? If I die because of the internet, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's that's." I, I don't mind being an onion article. Uh, if, if my death can be instructive for other fat white men. See, I have been very fortunate that pretty much every single experience that I've had because of the internet has yeah. ended well. Yeah. I have only, I have maybe had like 20 or 30 real life interactions that were directly caused because of the internet. Like people that I've met because of the internet and only two yeah. of them ever went weird or bad. Okay. And it was, you know, it was fine. You know, but it was, it, I feel like that statistically is really good. Having said that, if I had children, they would not be able to have the internet. Ever. I don't understand that. Like, yeah, if you have kids Ever. now, I, like, like, Jenny kept raising their kid, Taryn. I have no idea how, like, are they going to give her, like, my first laptop when she's six? Ugh. Like, what I'm, do do? If I ever had a baby, and thank God it's off the table, I would just move you to a bunker. A I'm going to move to a bunker in, like, the Nevada desert. Uh, and I forgot to tell you for your birthday. No! I got you a baby. No! 
I stole a black baby. A blood diamond baby. <laughs> it's, it's coming in the mail. For your birthday, I took this thing that will take oh! your love and your money. So, yeah, it's, uh, we have to do this quick because Andy's got to be out of the house in two hours. Okay, so, no, yes, what have you done this week? I've done, what I do, I have a list. As of old, course, because you're Bill Mudrin. Of course, because I'm Bill Mudrin. Uh, uh, I went to, what? What's on your? What did you do this week? <laughs> See, this is where Bill's gonna you. try and be genteel and say, "What well, did you because do?" You tend to and take longer. And then it's longer. gonna be chased and by. Then, wh- no, 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 no! It's because I'm. I have uh, punctuated things that I talk about, whereas you have a list that you read off. Uh, yeah, it's very quick. In and out. I did this. I did that. I did this. I can gauge how long, how much I indulge myself in talk, rattling <laughs> off this list, depending on how long you take. You don't have a list. You're all free flowing. That's right. You're a hippie of talking. I'll do it live. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, what would you do this week? Well, no, my I had. I very busy work week, so my free time was occupied by a couple things. But I went to go see Haywire, which I enjoyed immeasurably. I know you went to go see Haywire. I, I saw it separately. Look, we didn't see it together. I could see by the look in your face that you would like to take a gentle dump on it, and it's only going to be gentle because <laughs> I liked it. So I'm going to go first. <laughs> I really liked Haywire, Haywire so much. I enjoyed the music. This is starring- I enjoyed the cinematography. I enjoyed... Yes! It is starring a mixed martial artist. Who, guess what, can punch people better than he act- she can act. Fuck everybody You're who so has problems so, I with that. Say, I, we and Annie have not even had a chance to talk about it yet. She has no <laughs> idea what my actual opinion of the film is. I can see that She is just insanely defensive about this movie. Well, because all I have read are a bunch of people saying this is a really good film with a woman who can't act for shit. When you go see a movie about a woman who can punch a man until she is dead, and then you're like... And she's doing Meryl Streep. Fuck everybody. You know what? I, 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 one of my favorite movies is The Professional, and John Renault is such a good actor. Just going, uh. <laughs> So I cannot throw too much shit at Haywire. I thought she cause... was totally fine for what she needed to be. We know uh, what I wanted? Uh, I wanted a woman who could have, who who has cornrows, and I believe why. So, that... corn... so yeah, so okay, so, so yeah, hey, no, go, okay, go, go ahead. <laughs> She gets cornrows, it's her power up. Oh well, god, I'm spinning all over the place She now. has cornrows because you can't grab onto it. No, but she gives herself cornrows, like, it's, she has a moment, to, I, it's, 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 it's about, okay, Haywire is about this lady who works for a private military firm, and she, she gets set up. She was an ex-marine, and she becomes basically a secret agent. Her dad is, uh, is, is Hudson from, uh, Aliens Bill Paxton. Did I ever tell Fuck, you yes. my mom carpooled Bill Paxton? Really? When she was a kid? When it went, oh, really? When they were kids. How'd that happen? They carpooled they just together. I can't remember if it was to school or church oh, or what, oh but they God. carpooled together, oh, and apparently um, Bill Paxton and his friends were a bunch of weirdos and really creeped my mom out. Well, he did. Bill Paxton was a weirdo. He and his friends, they're the ones who wrote and directed the, like, uh, little fish head song. Fish heads. Fish oh, seriously? Oh, little fish heads. Yeah, he, I think he directed that video. The seriously? guy's a goofball. Yeah. And then he started Apparently Titanic. he was a weirdo even when he was a little kid. Yeah. Are you shocked? Well, that's fantastic. Anyway, yeah, so, uh, Haywire... Haywire was a Marine, and now she's back. <laughs> Just call her Haywire. That's what, what else? What's her real name? Larry. <laughs> Who knows? It's Haywire. So she gets... Uh, Mallory. Mallory. Mallory Kane. Because I she like that name. people. Fuck Kane. you. No, no, no. She's... She, basically, all you need to know is she's badass, and she's betrayed, so she has to kick all the men who betrayed her. She has to kill everyone. She gets to kill everyone. And it's a very short movie, because once it's she gets betrayed, she just kills it's everyone. It's so to the, the point. The I loved it. It's, it was The great. ultimate villain turns out to be Antonio Banderas' beard. 
He's got Man, what? He's got a great beard. That's a beautiful beard. That's one of the best be- beards I've I'm seen. I'm bummed that when he actually shows up at the end of the movie, he has shaved it off. And yeah, of course, that's why he loses sad. his inevitable fight with her, because he shaved off the beard. That was his only protection. By the way, it ends with um, uh, Antonio being punched by Gina Carano. Yeah. yeah. Is that her name? Because I keep on calling her Gina Gershon or. I think it's Gina Carano. Gorgo, Gorgoplex. I think that is her name. She is also a Texan. You know what? Okay, it, people of the internet, you may not know who this lady is, but if you've ever gone to Reddit and you've seen people jerking off to, like animated gifts of this hot lady at a sporting event biting her lip and everyone's like oh my god who's she that's her <laughs> when Annie was like flipping out about this movie I looked it up and I was like that lady looks really she's like, like that animated gif she's like that hot animated gif <laughs> that's how they should have like the movie probably made more money if they just said from the starring the lady from that hot animated gif I, it was just a totally confident If they film, had a movie star, the lady putting on jeans, who's only wearing jeans and a bra, and she's jiggling, <laughs> trying to get into her jeans. That's seriously. Oh. There should be Reddit-specified, like, advertising Animated stuff gift like the that. movie? Yeah. Anyway, no, Haywire, it's it's cute. It's good. It's... Go ahead, Bill. You know what? The, it's no worse than Drive. Let's put it that way. You could it's compare all style it. over substance action-y kind of like... You could like... compare it to Drive. I wouldn't say it's style over substance. I think that the point of both these films is the style is the substance. I mean, I like Hugo. That's all style over substance, too. I If I like Hugo, I'm not allowed to take a See, huge See, when you say on... style over substance, that sounds dismissive. And it's really... Like, hell yeah. I don't think it... Because it's not. I think that that was very much so an exercise you in that what? kind of You know what? My film. only real problem with, uh, with Haywire, even aside from the fact that Lady really... She can't really act that well. It's not like she's terrible, but she is really just like, what do you want from me? Would you like some soup? Uh-huh. Uh. Have you ever met a Marine? I'm just going to say this. Have you I met a Marine? Paxton. I can I can believe him being a Marine, because he's totally like of the, hey, what do you want? And Unless he's freaking out about game over. <laughs> I can buy him as a Marine. Or Michael Bain, or one of those guys, where she's just like, what do you want? I don't know. The way she's reading, you can tell she's kind of like, re- like re- reading off dialogue. It's not the yeah. fact that she's even monotonous. It's just like, there's a lack of gravitas and presence there. Because she can pin- punch a hole through your I chest. I almost wish she, like, they had written her so like she didn't talk. Or like some kind of like man with no Well, she didn't talk very thing. much. She, uh, she actually doesn't. Yeah, they kept her very terse, and I like that, actually. Yeah. I think it worked. I don't know. I really like the score in it. I liked how it was shot. I, did, I have no complaints. Yeah. It was a Tarantino movie with all the Tarantino-ness taken out of it, which she is beats. perfect. You know what? There's one moment in the movie where she like she gets into a fight with Ewan McGregor, and not and Ewan McGregor actually gets some licks in. I have... I can't believe for a moment that you and Rivera may be able to touch her ass. See, I, when she, she puts in the cornrows to fight you and McGregor. This is a great thing where you and McGregor's just on a beach and he's just hanging out. He's got little, like, little shoes on and he's all like, I'm just looking at the beach. And, like, her way of attacking him is just to run out from a rock <laughs> and beat his ass. Since what and, I love about that fight scene is that he didn't stand a chance. And she, well, yeah, but he still punches her a couple times. I'm like, no, she would just run up and snap his neck and laugh. <laughs> but yeah, she puts in cornrows, and that's when she gets super powerful at the end. Well, it's because so she doesn't get her hair grabbed. I know. It's, she, it's her business cornrows. Yeah, she got like boobies and shit, though. I was really surprised. I know. My or wife would not lady. shut up after that movie. She's like, Did you see her? Did she tremendous rack and tremendous oh. ass, and she kicked people to oh, death? Oh, she's got great. I mean, she's, she's not just tall, but she also goes outward, too, in all the right places. Oh, my God. She has a great scar on her chin where you can see the stitches. Oh, Is badass. Man, she, I would like to. I came I, home last night was just watching MMA fights that she yeah. had been in. Very cute. She's just. I just like watching her beat the crap out of people. I thought the MMA fights would be more like the shit in the movie, and no, it's mostly just two people wrestling and yeah. just kind of trying to choke each other out. That's what most of those fights tend to uh, yeah. boil down to, being. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Haywire. Uh huh. Where, where's your joke? No, Bill, the only Bill thing, goes sees a movie and then I'm, he always has a joke. Where's I'm your joke, saying, Bill? This. 
if I can ever see a spy movie again where people aren't talking about cities, like, just offhandedly, like, oh, I haven't been the same since Barcelona, or, oh, I haven't seen you since Dublin. Like, that always sounds corny as hell, and it comes out from the corner. See, I think it works, because these, these, they and use, they use these cities like, like, archetypes. I know, And I like I that. Know. It works in the film. Uh, the only reason it's Dublin is because Paris has been used in so many other spy movies, too. Also, Ireland will give you a write-off, a tax credit. Oh, is that what happened? That's why it was oh, filmed in did, Dublin. They actually changed one of the big things. Well, uh, I saw Haywire yesterday. Uh, I went on, just randomly, I just decided to go to the movies all day yesterday, and I mm-hmm. went to go see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Haywire and the artist. That is that such order. a weird triple feature. And if that's what I wanted to see all three films, but they all happened to be showing at, the, at, a, at a theater downtown. So mm-hmm. and they were all like right after each other. I, like I literally went from the uh, start of the credits from one movie right to the beginning of another. Um, especially, <coughs> it was funny seeing Haywire right after seeing Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy because Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is the complete opposite of that kind of spy movie where yeah. it's super. Well, I don't want to say realistic, but it's super kind of low it's key grounded. and gritty. Yeah. And that's the kind of movie where people are offhandedly throwing off phrases like, oh, give him money from the Reptile Fund. And they never tell you what the fuck the Reptile Fund is. Just because yeah. if you're really into spy shit, you're supposed to know what that is. So that movie is completely obtuse. So and the I Reptile don't know what the hell's Fund going on. is okay, but Dublin is Dublin, not okay. yeah, don't worry. It's like, you got the Max Fisher players over here do, write, writing the screenplay for uh, Haywire. It's uh-huh. all like super badass. So and if they had said, if I haven't been the same since Operation QZ, that would be Taylor's okay with. Soldier Spy does have... It doesn't have Gina Carano, whatever her name is. Uh-huh. It does have Gary Oldman, Nick, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, and mm-hmm. Thomas Hardy trying to take down a, a bunch of uh, evil Russian spies. I don't think I could see that movie just because I can't take any of their hair seriously. Oh, and man, Benedict Cumberbatch, he's got this gay little fop hair. It turns out he actually is homosexual, which is the worst kind of like, oh, he's gay. Let's give him the like most ridiculous little fop haircut. Yeah, Thomas Hardy... Tom Hardy. What are I like Thomas. Thomas. No, let's be formal. He's, I think in the movie he's credited as Thomas Hardy, so I'm thinking about it like that. Um, he's yeah, he's all done. He's he's wearing like super tight pants, and he's got a little shraggly beard and long hair, and he looks ridiculous. And but no, that that was a good movie. But uh, you kind of need to have the cliff notes in front of you while watching that movie to understand yeah. what the fuck is going on. Also, like there's like 700 pages of book in that movie. Yeah. That are just cut down. It's a two hour long movie. It's not even a very long movie. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of shit that, like, you're supposed to just understand from, like, a leaf falling from a tree that yeah. three men have just died in Vienna or something like that. It's that kind of, like, really vague obtuse kind of thing. Whereas, like, Haywire is just like, fuck you, punches. Well, yeah. Haywire is just a very direct, straightforward sort even, of narrative. You can't even really compare the two, because they're yeah. so, existing in such complete opposite ends it's of like the universe. It's like apples and but elephants. <laughs> seeing those two right next to each other, my head almost exploded, though. Going from well, then one how, is, the how is it is that with the artist as a chaser, then? The art, well, that's a hell of a, pla- a palate cleanser. So, I had never even heard about the artist until uh, our friend Dylan had told me about it. She was like, oh, there was this French movie. It's filmed in black and white, and it's a silent film. And I was like, oh, that's fucking weird. And so I went to go see it. Yeah, uh, this uh, the artist is about this uh, silent movie star named George Ballantin, who he's like, uh, it's a, you know, it's not a documentary or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's all fiction. But he is the biggest silent movie star of the late 1920s. Uh, but he gets totally uh, destroyed by the uh, uh, like the, the invention talkies. of talkies, mm-hmm. and he's not prepared for it. So it's all about his life getting destroyed. Meanwhile, his protege, who is this lady named Peppy Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, she uh, stars in one or two small silent films before 
jumping to talkies and turns out she's mm-hmm. really good at being in the talkies and she becomes mm-hmm. the biggest star of the talkies mm-hmm. and so she ends up trying to help him out and try to help his life get uh, put back to order but it's a comedy it sounds like it's really depressing yeah. like the, the, the third well, i mean that's character... also that's kind of the premise of singing in the rain yeah so, exactly you know, yeah, the third, yeah, you the... can make it work oh you know that's actually a good point i didn't think about yeah. that yeah. Singing in the Rain, is there a cute dog in Singing in the Rain? No. There's a cute dog. The third major character is a dog. Is No, there's four major characters. There's the, the silent movie star dude, the talkie chick, John Goodman, the movie producer, and a dog who's super cute. A little Jack Russell Terrier. All you need to say is John Goodman is in this movie and I will go he see it. He's looking old. He lost some weight. He's old. And his face is hanging down. I was like, oh my god, he looks like Grandpa now. He's Grandpa Goodman. <laughs> but yeah, that was cute too. And it is completely silent, but it's got like a whole like silent movie score like yeah. tacked onto it. So you're not yeah. just sitting there hearing other people cough in the theater. Going, eh, eh. Oh, the best part. Oh, Haywire. The best part about Haywire. Uh, in the theater, there was an old lady in the back of the theater who yeah. kept on cackling. Oh yeah. Whenever See, she I also... went down, there's a yeah. part where. Uh, Did your audience lose it in that part too? Because my audience lost their shit. She shoots someone in the face. Oh man! This lady went. (laughs) (laughs) I had a dude. I had a dude in the back row go, "Yeah, boy!" Oh (laughs) man, fuck that guy up. It was great. That was great. It was great. Hey, wire kick. I ass. needed a cigarette. I felt about that movie. This is the type of year when usually a Jason Statham movie comes out, and this kind of was the Jason <laughs> well, Statham this movie. Is like, a, like a Hannah came out the same I time last year. I felt exactly about this movie like I did after I went to go see The Mechanic. Well, I went to go see The Mechanic, and afterwards, I don't smoke. I wanted a cigarette. I wanted a steak. I wanted at least three fingers of bourbon, and I wanted to fuck someone senseless. It's a Ron Swanson evening. Exactly. Yeah. It's like this. These movies are just like, you know. It's just like that is what I. You know what? In a good action movie. I want to feel like I want to kick through a door. Yeah, hey, hey, why was a good time? If you just want to go see, go out and see a fucked up action movie, that's great. You know, I just, it's one of those things, where, and I could totally see why other people could not enjoy it, but yeah. I found it to be such a pure expression of what that should be. I yeah. just, I felt exactly, like The Mechanic, I feel the same way. Yeah. The Mechanic, I thought, was a great movie that you go to see someone punch a dude so hard <laughs> that he dies. <laughs> like, there's a, this is a genre of movie that I think mostly so excites me when I enjoy it, because I never enjoyed this genre of movie, well, ever. Well, the funny thing, too, is hey, with Haywire, we're kind of talking up so much about how badass an action film it is. It's not actually that violent. Yeah. Like, well, like, well, actually, compared to Drive, yeah. like, this ain't shit compared to Drive in terms of, like, blood yeah. and guts and violence. Like, oh, I yeah. Like, you see very little you blood You only see, like, one or two people, like, die right, in that in whole Haywire, movie. She say. only kills one person in that whole movie. That's the guy she shoots in the face. Directly. Directly. <laughs> right, there's a lot of bodies. Directly. Like, there's a lot of carnage. There are people who are eventually going to die. No, yeah, I enjoyed anyway. the hell of it. No, um, uh, but yeah, I did not enjoy this sort of film until most because I had intense sympathy pains as a younger person. Yeah, what like, happened to that? It just went away. You just got tired of people. I got tired. I got. <laughs> I got over. I grew up. I got over my allergies and I got over uh, my <laughs> sympathy pains. Oddly, the worst instance of my sympathy pain, and I'm sorry if I've shared this anecdote on this yeah. podcast already. I actually, my dad wanted to go take me to see the Matrix, the first Matrix movie. What the hell, sympathy? What? Very in the very opening of the Matrix, when Neo, quote unquote, wakes up. And he sits up and he's got the feeding tube down his throat. Oh, that thing! And he pulls it out of his he mouth and pulls up. it out of his throat. Yeah. In that moment, I could feel that, like I could feel it, like yeah. in the base of my stomach, moving through my esophagus. Did you throw up in the theater? I passed out. Holy and my father had to carry me out of the theater. And I did not see the Matrix until many years later. <laughs> wow. Yep. That's so, pretty impressive. Yeah, so I never got to see movies where people got punched until they died. <laughs> the other thing, too, is, like, it's funny because I'm talking about how uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy was super obtuse. And, like, I didn't even understand the plot in Haywire. They got, you don't have to. There's that thing with a brooch, and I was like, oh, guy's got a brooch, and I was like, 
I'm Seriously, you didn't get that? I was still... That was I, not even very... I was still scrambled to be after fair, trying to figure out what that yes. Gary Oldman was See, doing. See, what I really liked I about... Like, there's a certain type of movie. Like, I, I just finished... Uh, my dear friend... Oh, that's... Are they suggesting she kills the what's a guy? Because he goes... Yes. Oh. That's the whole reason why, why he says you have to wear the brooch? the brooch. Well, it's like the implication is that that's the evidence that's left behind. So this is our Haywire spoiler cast. <laughs> well, no, as soon as he says you have to wear this, like, they make such a point. I mean, yeah, like, it's not... It's, yeah. See, this sort of oh, movie... Oh, Michael Douglas is in that movie! How did so many great people end up in that movie? Because Steven Soderbergh directed it. God damn. I like that. That, that dude, he, like, I like... He doesn't give a shit. He'll make a movie about anything. That's, he's, yeah. Anyway, no, but there's some movies and some stories that there's a type of narrative where you just kind of have to fucking trust it. It's a yeah. free fall and you'll know it'll figure it out by the end. A friend of mine, um, you get that a lot in detective fiction. I'm not the kind of reader who reads a mystery novel trying to figure it out. That is genuinely not what I go to literature for or, like, yeah. books for and this sort of narrative. I really enjoy being wrapped up in the narrative, wrapped up in the characters, and, you know, just, like, living in this world. So a friend of mine, my friend Brenna, who we talked about in the past, she's a solid egg and a, a, a good bro. She recommended this book called Altered Carbon. Oh, which is this... JoJo's got a copy of that upstairs. Yeah, yeah! I just finished it, and it is great. And it's mostly... I had no idea what the hell was going on. I, can't, I didn't really want to figure it out. Because um, it's a... You know, it's sci-fi, so they... And it's one of the sci-fi... It's kind of sci-fi where they just emerge you in it, and you yeah, figure yeah, out yeah. when you go along, and, you know, the world building expands as you go. And I just enjoyed the hell out of it. So hardcore. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it because it was kind of fascinating. Um, Brenna described it to me as this guy basically wants to write, write movies that are 80s films. And yeah. that made the costuming and also the treatment of sex and violence make a lot more sex. Or make a lot more sense, I should say. So it was make really... Make a lot more sex. No. No, no. Altered Carbon was fun. I had no idea what was happening until the very end. And then I was like, oh, that's what happens. Okay. So it's actually one story. It's not just... A, uh, for some reason, I thought it was a, a compilation of stories. No. There, a there's a series of three many. books. But okay. Altered Carbon is a single Oh, story. just a single volume within that. I series. enjoyed it. I talked before about how much I love a battered detective who's yeah, down yeah, on his luck and fighting against corruption. Man, you should see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I'm going to. Just, like I said, it's if you're going to go in for like an interesting story, you're going to get totally lost. But Gary Oldman in that is great. He just got an Oscar nomination for it. It's the first no- nomination he's ever gotten. Are you kidding me? And it's funny because this is like his most milk toast role ever because he's Ugh. just like the biggest action scene in that movie is him like buying new glasses. <laughs> but he does. Man, oh man, Colin Firth is in that movie. Yeah, he's the Dream Master from Doctor Who. I, uh, <laughs> I should we we should do a spoiler cast about Tinker Tailor, <laughs> which is also a uh, it's not a remake of the 1970s series, but it's based off a book. Uh, which was also turned into a movie, uh, or uh, a BBC miniseries in the late 70s starring uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's how I, like, I watched that as a kid, and that got kind of got me into spies as a kid. And you still couldn't understand what was going no, on? No, I still, like, I was even watching some of it last night after I came on the original BBC miniseries, yeah. and I was like, okay, I understand, like, where this is coming from a little bit more now, because I just saw this new, like, 2011 movie, but, yeah. like, I'm still like, I don't know. Something about Czechoslovakia, Hungary, blah, blah, blah. All right, Bill, you've been very good. <clears throat> Let's hear your list. Go for it. What do you mean my list? Oh, what? oh, my list of stuff from the week. Okay, uh, so, yeah, I went to the Portland Art Museum mm-hmm. uh, last Thursday. Uh, this weekend closed a Japanese uh, art print exhibit. Just shut down on Sunday. But mm-hmm. uh, Dylan, uh, Erica, and Tally from Periscope Studio, we all went all down to uh, see the Japanese prints. That was very beautiful. Portland's got a super ghetto art museum, oh, man, which is what bad. I learned first. You've always complained about how terrible Portland's art museum is. It's I not, I don't, yeah, we, I, we had this conversation right before the show started. I don't want to just say it's terrible, but Annie and I uh, both come from cities with really 
big, vast, nice art museums. And that is not what Portland's art museum is. See, you come from a place vast. I come from Fort Worth, Texas. Mine's big. Which from is the, the Carnegie focused. Museum in Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, the um the um Fort Worth has a number of amazing art museums that are very well designed and very focused. Yeah. So like there's a um the Kimball Art Museum, which is kind of a classical art museum, and it's like they don't have a lot, but what they have is great. And so you can go and spend an afternoon there and absorb everything they have and have a great experience. Um, there are museums that you can spend weeks at and not see everything. The yeah. whole thing behind these Fort Worth museums is that they're very focused. So there's the Amon Carter, which is an amazing collection of photography and art of the American West. And then there's a very good modern art museum where the building is as beautiful as the place. And the thing about these museums is that they were very deliberately designed for the art that they housed. Oh, and really? they were very okay. deliberately designed. They're not designed for like, traveling exhibits or anything. Well, to some degree, they yeah. are. But they're, well, they're more or less, though. And yeah. it's a very a, a good museum has an organic flow, and mm -hmm. you always know where to go next. And you don't feel like you're being guided. It's almost like good game design. Yeah. But a bad museum, or excuse me, and there are some buildings where you go to them, and they're clearly a building that a museum has been put into. Yeah. And that is what the Portland Art Museum feels it like. It really is just like an office building or something like that. They just kind of squeeze three floors wide. I mean, it's into. it's not a bad like the <clears throat> building is not bad. It's just there is no flow to it. No. And the collection ain't so hot either. They have actually the best part of the, the of the permanent stuff they have on exhibit there seems to be their Native American. Pacific Northwest Indian mm -hmm. stuff. Oh, they have a great... Of course, that's going to be great because it's Portland, Oregon. They're going to have lots of yeah. like great like Inuit and. They do have. Know. I think they have a really <clears throat> good NCYF painting. I think that's the only part of the collection. Oh, they did. Right I totally missed that. It's like hidden in the back corner yeah. <laughs> of the first. But floor. yeah, no, they had. A, well, well, we like the reason why uh, Portland's museum is not that good because there's no big money families in Portland to really fund. See, a nice I just big museum. this is my theory. Yeah. My theory is that in Fort Worth, Texas, and in Pittsburgh to some degree, if you want to support the arts, like it's much there. There's there's much. It's a much more narrow path to follow. Like in in Portland, if you love the art scene. Well, shit, there are a billion bajillion art galleries, there are well, a billion bajillion dance troops, there yeah, are a billion bajillion, like, theater. There's, there's no, there's so much shit it's going more on. Focus. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas if you're, if you die in Fort Worth, Texas, there's only so many places you're going to give your money to. Well, I, well, the only reason, my only experience is the, is the Carnegie, <clears throat> Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh, and that's put together just because some old guy died. That's true. Ultimately, it money. is oil money. And so, <laughs> like, yeah, it's still other. like, yeah, it's oil money in Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah. it's steel money, or oil money in Texas, it's, yep. it's, it's, uh, steal money in Pittsburgh really don't have well it's probably a combination of the two dynamics no big uh, legacy families in Portland versus what art money floats around in Portland just gets distributed yeah. along a wider base rather than basically we need the Nike museum. guy to yeah instead of fuck, putting Leica shit that is our yeah Leica is our art museum practically they're just making uh yeah that's our that's Portland's big artistic endeavor there yeah that's the closest thing we've got to a rich guy starting an art, an well, art thing. Yeah, Nike, Leica being the animation studio that uh, created uh, Bowling for Columbine. That's right, Bill. Yeah. Or, get it. or Coraline. Coraline. And soon Paranorman. Uh, no, but, um, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, the Portland Art Museum. Makes me sad. Yeah, makes me sad, too. Some rich bitch needs to die and, and, and buy it. But this <laughs> Japanese print exhibit was fantastic. Yeah. They had two whole floors of all kinds of uh, Japanese uh, prints. From like 200 years ago, the t uh, three best things there were uh, they had a couple prints by my favorite artist, uh, Japanese print artist named Hasui. It's H A S U I. He uh, was actually from the early 20th century, so his shit is not super old. 
but he kind of infused his stuff with a lot of, a lot of almost like comic book cover graphic sensibility, mm-hmm. where he, you know, he was still just doing like still lives, uh, Japanese prints, but like he did kind of crazy color and line work that was kind of mm-hmm. like. If you've ever seen the artwork of Ivan Bilibin, he's this uh, Russian guy from the early uh, 20th century, too, who did very kind of graphic uh, stuff. It was almost like Art Nouveau with very thick lines and a lot of mm-hmm. playing around with form and, and, and shape and design. And this guy kind of like took some of that Eastern, uh, took some of that Western uh, sensibility and put it into Japanese prints. And uh, they had a couple of his stuff that, uh, that was fantastic. And he also created this big fold out thing, which actually showed how prints are made. Oh, neat. Which. Um, it shows you which element, uh, st- like, you start off with, like, here's the background. And it shows, like, okay, if you take the background and put it on a print, this is what it looks like. And mm-hmm. the next next part of the fold was, okay, here's the next element, here's what it looks like combined with the next one. And, and so it was, like, this, like, hmm. six-foot-long fold-out thing. That was really cool. Uh, the other thing was a pair of sketches from someone designing a Japanese print. It was just a rough, like, uh, like charcoal sketch, uh-huh. two of them, uh, which is great because... Uh, the figures were all as stoic and as perfectly designed as you would see it, like in a in, an, in a Japanese print, but like whoever was designing it, they obviously spent all their time on the figures. But the, kind of the background was just kind of like really kind of rough scribbles just and just like yeah. and it's hilarious because you kind of tell this guy was just roughly like oh, I'll put some pretty Japanese print shit here and some <laughs> shit here and like Dylan and I were dying how like it looked like some, exactly like something you'd see down at Periscope Studio, somebody yeah. just sketching out roughly like I don't know something here blah 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 yeah. Uh, the third coolest thing was a picture of a cat. <laughs> Someone had just done the quickest little, like, I, I guess it must have been a print, but it looked like a little, uh, like a little, like a painting, a little quick brush or a painting of only like three strokes of just a cat from behind in its little cat loaf form. Yeah. But with its ear sticking out with no yeah. legs, just yeah. like a little loaf of cat with its tail sticking out. Yeah. We were dying at how funny that was. Cause we were like, oh man, you know, you know, whoever drew that, they couldn't like turn the cat around cause the cat was probably a bitch. <laughs> so they had to like paint this painting of this cat just from behind. Like least interesting painting you could imagine, but it was cat. It was cute. You could totally recognize it. Yeah. Like, it was cat. Yeah. Very cute. We were like, yeah, you know, that was basic hilarious. cat forms. Right so there, that was the friend. best stuff there. Yeah, that's yeah. great. The end. <laughs> what else you do? What happened to you? I'm still playing Mass Effect. I'm replaying the first Mass Effect, and we can talk about this a little bit when we get to the second part of our program. Yeah. But um, it's interesting to replay Mass Effect because Mass Effect is not a very good game. <laughs> like, the first really? one. Yeah, no, I mean, it's no, no, great. No. The second, yeah, the first one is pretty. It's ginchy. great, but it's just like as I'm playing it, and I think this will be the. Fifth time I've played it total. Yeah. Fourth. Crazy. And, um, well, no, I'm just deeply committed to getting my character right. And, uh, um, Who are and you it, playing as this time? This time it's Bruce Shepard. Oh, oh, you mentioned this before. Bruce. You talked about this. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm continuing. And it's interesting because the more I play, the more I'm like, I love this game. It is one of my favorite games. This game is not a very good game. All I remember about the first Mass Effect is the, is the seven hours. Because I only played through the first one once. That's all I needed to play through. It's not very long. Um, I remember, like, like the only thing I really remember is the seven hours I sit, uh, spent in the Citadel just doing yeah. stuff. Which well, is like the they're, most... they're doing all the world building for the game. Yeah. And you're not really doing You're just kind of doing errands. That is like the most memorable part game. of the game. Yeah. Yeah, because once you get out in the world, you're just kind of well. It's just going down, getting dropped down on the on your little uh, armor personnel carrier. The Mako. Just shooting stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. Trying I to just run up mountains and shit. I just figured out that on the Mako you can zoom. Like really? yes, That's how you I get never out. knew. Especially if you're gonna go up a, a big.
big garrison of the destroyer. I never do. You can zoom. You can zoom like three hundred meters. Oh my god! And snipe them with your cannon from afar. That's how you get past half that. You this like the fourth. Oh I swear to God, this is the fourth time I played this. I feel like I just I'm the first man on the moon. I mean, the funky way that Mass Effect is designed, I can see that being very hard to find out. Like it's not super obvious. You have to mess around with the control pad to figure that out. So that's not really on you as much. That is it's just funny because I love this game, and oh. as I'm playing this game, I'm like, man, this game is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it still. I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. I, I've almost gotten to the point where Ashley has has almost opened up all the way to Bruce, if you know what I mean. Oh, but, did you see who's going to be voicing a uh, who's Vega? What's yeah, his name? James Vega. It's James gonna be Vega. Freddie Prince Jr. Oh God! In Mass it's gonna Effect be 3. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's um, wife. <laughs> Freddie They're always obligated no, to bring her on to play. He's actually a very confident voice of her. No, actor. this thing's bad. Just Freddie Prince Jr. of all the, of all the C-list celebrities you can get. He's in the world, gonna be the what tender. What the McElroy guys? My, my brother, my brother. Because I don't want to put my penis inside a McElroy. <laughs> All it boils down to. Wow, that's the title for this episode. No, it's interesting because I was Jesus. thinking about this because I, I was thinking about this because I was like I, I was like I should take a picture of Bruce and put him online because he's my shepherd. Yeah. And then I was like, well, he looks kind of like default Shep to some degree. He's another bald space marine. Wow. And I was thinking about James well, Vega. Well, because you're trying to make him look like oh, uh, not, Bruce. He's Bruce. He's yeah, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. It wasn't our intent, but it happened very quickly. Yeah. And uh, no, and uh, 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 I was thinking about that because we're talking about their Mass Effect 3 playthrough because I'm really, I'm t- totally enchanted by the idea of having a gay, a dude gay space romance. We talked about this. Yeah. But I'm totally like, oh man, that's rad. But it's interesting that it's tender love between two bald space marines yeah that's kind of great it's kind of great and ridiculous i'm i'm digging it anyway sidebar let's continue i was talking about mass effect mass effect's great were you playing anything else no, I'm playing lots of Mass Effect, okay, which is, I forgot how short this game is. Yeah, I'm, like, no, totally, like... Both, the first two Mass Effects, neither of them are very long. Like, I'm I'm totally, like, taking my time, like, whoa, Yeah. and I'm almost done. Especially, like, the like, first Mass Effect, half that in. game takes place on the Citadel. Yeah. If you milk the Citadel for all it's worth, yeah. that's, like, a third of the game. Um, Continue, Bill, on your list. Uh, what I play this week, I played, uh, I forgot that I had started playing Ocarina of Time for the 3DS. I forgot yeah. I bought that. Because, you know, like everyone else, you I forgot that I own a 3DS, yeah. period. Uh, I, so I fired that up again. Well, I, I finished Skyward Sword a couple, like, two weeks ago, and I'm still in a Zelda mood. And so I like, was like, oh, I didn't beat that yet. I'll fire it up. I didn't realize I'm already, like, two-thirds of the way through the game. I got all the way up to the Water Temple before I quit last time. And the Water Temple in the Ocarina of Time is known to be one of the, like, nastiest dungeons in the Zelda game. It's just uh-huh. really difficult. Because you're, like... Uh, you have to put on these boots and take off these boots and go up all these different, like, water-filled levels and raise and lower the water levels within those levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I beat that, and I'm actually getting towards the end of the uh, uh, Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. Now I'm stuck in this underground well. <laughs> Fantastic. I know you, you loved hearing about that. I've uh, been playing a little bit of Skyrim. Mm-hmm. I fired up Skyrim for the first time since November. Because mm-hmm. I've been busy. I've been doing other shit, playing other games. Yeah. Uh, my last Skyrim save was, like, from, like, November, like... 20th or something mm-hmm. like that. It's been a long time. Uh, it's been long enough since I last played Skyrim that I totally forgot how it controls. <laughs> and uh, my last save was I'm in the middle of, what's the town, kind of the first big town you get to, not the little village, but the big town where you can buy your uh, first winter, house. White Run. White Run. I'm right, saved right in the middle of the street, and uh, so I'm sitting in the street trying to figure out how to do the controls, and, and for some reason I keep on wanting to run with the right shoulder button, which is your shout, which blows everyone yep. away. And I had to stop and reload the game like three or four times because I like accidentally kept on shouting and like, of course, to kill everyone in, in the cop show. Hey, up. stop doing that. I know. <laughs> so that was like the first 20 minutes of the game, just me trying to figure out, don't shout. Be, be nice. <laughs> 
And then I just went off on a little quest where I had to go, like, retrieve three magic books for the Mages Guild. Yeah. And that was just enough to kind of get me back into playing that. And that's fun. That's cute. But I still barely scratched the surface. I'm, like, 20, 25 hours into that I game. I wish I'd stopped playing it. I, I You're beating it all up. I, I still have to do the Daedric, all the Daedric quests to get my Chibu. You can go back and play as another, uh, you could like, re-roll your character. Well, see, my problem is, my problem, I, I like, I, I had this, I had to get over this with Mass Effect, and I had trouble with any other game where you have a character, because I invest so much in my character, it's hard for me to be another character. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like, I'm playing the game wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also, the thing about Skyrim is once you reach a certain point where you max out an ability, you don't level up doing that anymore. Oh, yeah, I know. So you, it kind of forces you, or excuse me, encourages you to multitask. What's the level cap for everything in the game? 80? 80? Okay, because I'm well, Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you mean in, like, the... in the, the Well, what's your... Yeah, the max, like, base, like, like your level, not just, like, Oh, your stats. character level. Yeah. You can... Yeah, I think it's, like, 80-something. Oh, really? Because I'm only up to, like, 21. I'm at, like, 60-something, and it is hard <laughs> to do. Because I've done everything I want to do really all that's left is magic yeah. and i don't want to do magic have they talked about dlc for skyrim they've said that it will happen they said they're going to take their time with it because oh, okay. they're not going to rush anything out oh, okay. we're probably going to in a they're year probably and it's probably going to be like it. 10 10 hours of content yeah uh but uh, other than that i've just been playing puzzle juice which is for the uh ipad iphone blah 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 it's, I, it's an ios game where it's uh Puzzle Juice is, essentially, it's just Tetris. Have you heard about this? It's yeah. a really good game. It's Tetris, except when you uh, complete uh, a row of blocks uh -huh. in Tetris, uh, those blocks would just disappear and you get points for them. Mm -hmm. In Puzzle Juice, those uh, that row of blocks will turn into letters that mm -hmm. you then have to use to, like, you have to highlight them to spell words. Hmm. And once you spell a word, that's when they disappear and then you get points for them. Oh. But shit's still falling down from the top and, and oh, it's fucking crazy though. It's it's really good. It's only a single player game. Uh, it's not like you can play it online with like Words of Friends worth anything yeah. like that because it's not asynchronous. It's not something you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's But it's 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 really cool. You get power-ups where things explode and slow down time yeah. and things like that. But that's been very cool. Oh man, one thing I did want to say about Mass Effect, speaking of DLC, <laughs> do you remember when you could pay 80 Microsoft points, which is like, what, a dollar? Yeah. And get three hours worth of DLC? Oh god, what happened? No, that's what, that's, I think that, I was thinking, I was thinking, I was talking to my wife Oh no, this. but I remember that. It's, now it's, it's like $80 for no, no, like an yeah. hour and a half. It cracks me up, because I was like, I, I was playing the Bring Down the Sky DLC. The prices on everything great. on Microsoft Live are slowly going up. I mean, what, it used to be like, well, the no, average I mean, that price was... for an Xbox Live game was 10 bucks. now it's 15 This is not me saying in my day. No, but I'm just saying. This is genuinely, that was back when they didn't know how to price things, when yeah. Horse Armor was $5 and three hours of DLC was um, uh, a dollar. Yeah, now they know what people were willing to pay for. Now yeah. they can kind of juice people for that yeah. shit some more. I'm part of that problem. Fuck people. I know. I don't buy... Man, suppose I'm super bummed because the first real big hearty piece of Saints Row 3 DLC came out this week. Mm -hmm. Supposedly it's pretty bad. It's like $10. 10 mm -hmm. or 15 It's supposed to be pretty expensive. And well, it's dude, mostly THQ bullshit. is talking about how they were going to have 42 weeks worth of DLC planned. I Hopefully the rest of it's better because this first batch sounds like it's pretty funky. Like, I don't mind DLC that adds to the narrative, but so much DLC has been not worthwhile. We could do a whole podcast on DLC. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Anyway. Uh, so I have a list of stuff to talk about that's not necessarily a thing to mind. Uh, do you care about the Oscar nominees? I think it's cool that Melissa McCarthy got nominated. Yeah. For, uh, she's a... Uh, Snooki? Yeah, Snooki. Sookie? So, okay, no, wait. Sookie, is it Sookie? Because her? there's Sookie Stackhouse now yes. from True Blood. I, there's Snooki the dumb bitch. <laughs> And there's Snooki or Sookie from Gilmore Girls. She was Sookie. She was not Snooki. She was Sookie. She was Sookie. She was Sookie? Oh, God. I've said her name enough times. It is Sookie. It is Sookie because her husband, the dude who played her husband on the show, 
Um, it's, I've seen him at my workplace a couple of times. Oh, really? And I have a coworker. I go over to and go, it's Suki's husband. Hey, you ask him, like, wasn't that I'm his not husband that in, in, in Bridesmaids? Do you go out to him and ask him that's who's a bear? different. That's, no. I know that was her husband in real life. No. Because, okay, Melissa McCarthy, she's the quote-unquote fat lady from Bridesmaids everyone thought was the best part of that movie. Yes. She was on Gilmore Girls, so she played a really cute character on that. Name's Suki, she... which is why we're doing this. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> and so she got nominated for Best uh, Catering <laughs> on Bridesmaids. No, I'm glad to see Bridesmaids is an Oscar-nominated film. I'm just... Did Kristen Wiig get nominated, too? I think... Well, they got nominated for Best Screenplay. Oh, and she wrote... Oh, okay. And she wrote it. But no, it's just nice to see comedy, like, because it's like being held on the same level. That's a good point, yeah. That's really what I got excited about. Because, I mean, God bless her, she deserves everything it's, it's she can nice get. It's nice also it's a lady comedy, but But yeah. beyond that, I mean, just comedy, period, is well, so hard. Somebody pointed out, like, Bridesmaids is really just the motion picture just filled with, like, sad reaction shots from Kirsten Wig. That's like, if you take all those reaction <laughs> shots out of that movie, suddenly, like, only half as long as it would be. Um, but yeah, Oscar nominations. Uh, I'm just happy Hugo got a lot of nominations, because that's a good movie. But then again, like I said before, that's kind of a slight movie. I was talking to Dylan about it. She fucking hated Hugo. I was like, oh, Dylan, you should go see Hugo. It's French, and it's cute. And she just came out, and she's like, that writing that movie's bullshit. The characters don't make any sense. And it's funny, because I'm reading the actual book that uh, Hugo is based off, called The Invention of Hugo Cabaret, which is a uh, kid's novel. But it's kind of like a comic in that it's interspersed with long passages of full page artwork. Mm-hmm. But the the, the 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 text and the and the and the illustrations are not mixed, so it's not really a comic, even though mm-hmm. it is kind of aspiring to be. And uh, any all the uh, the story and writing problems in, uh, inherent to the to the movie are actually just plucked straight from the book. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the screenwriters fucked up on that. But um, even though the screenwriter of Hugo is the guy wrote Star Trek Nemesis, which is one of the first Star Trek movies ever made, I'm just uh-huh. saying. But Hugo is pretty. <laughs> go see Hugo. Don't go see it in two D because that's bullshit. Hopefully, uh, this will. With Hugo got eleven nominations, which is more uh, nominations than any other movie this year. Um, fuck yeah, it's a cute movie. But it's not. I mean, this has been a shitty year for movies all around. Because like I said, Hugo's good, I but it's very slight this year. Like I wouldn't recommend people to go see Hugo because it's like an interesting story. I think the only movies I saw in theaters this year were Haywire, which I saw opening night. I felt so strongly. No, about no. It. Well, you last year. Drive. Really. Drive? Oh, we were talking about last year. Yeah. In the last, in the last 365 days. In the calendar, three, 211. Uh, I saw, like, Three Musketeers in 3D, and, um, <laughs> You're part of the reason why no one goes I'm, I'm part of the problem. I don't, yeah, I think that I didn't see it. any of the superhero movies. Yeah, I saw Drive, I saw Hannah. Lori's I Bastards, finally did that come out this year? <laughs> I finally got to the point now where I'm like, I will go see it with $3 and I have a beer. That's, yeah, and like, there are very rare movies that I will go out and... Portland is so good for second-run theaters where yeah. you like, go see a movie for $3 and see it with a beer. Yeah. Like, Drive's at the Academy now. I wish I'd seen it at the Academy rather yeah. than like the whatever theater I saw it at. Oh, we saw it at the big like $10 theater. Yeah, we saw it Drive at, would be great uh, for, at like, the Lloyd's Academy. Time. Man, yeah. okay, tiny session. So I almost went to go, because Drive, the, the closest movie theater to me, really the best theater, is this place called the Lloyd Center. There are, the, there are two, there's a, a, a movie, but it's got this big parking lot, but the parking <laughs> lot. not a sentence. I know, it was not a sentence. <laughs> so, uh, the parking lot that. is right by a brand new Max stop, which is our, our uh, rapid transit train here in town, and people keep parking in this parking lot and to go on the mass transit. And so the response has been, well, this giant fucking parking lot, we're going to close off two of the three exits. There is one exit in and out of this theater, and it is fucking Thunderdome every time I have oh, gone. Oh, I have not seen that. It has gotten to the point now where I'm not going to that movie theater anymore. I would rather schlep out 
way in the other direction and go see, like, to the stadium theater and a go see movie A lot of people there. go to that mall that is adjacent to that movie theater are fucking psychopathic, too, so that's yeah. just a bad scene all around. It's like and mall then traffic. And you two of the three exits. Yes. Oh, my God. It was like, I'm never going to that theater again, which yeah. makes me sad, because I did like it. But no, I'm never again. I'm going to go to the movie theater behind the Joann's Fabrics. That's my new plan going <laughs> forward. I saw the triple feature I did yesterday was just the Regal Tower downstairs, or the Fox Tower downtown. Which is in an office yeah. building, which is really weird. Yeah. They have t- a 10-screen movie theater in an office building. And what's funny is that that's really... I feel really... like I'm in Clamp Tower in Grumman's, what's, too. What's really weird is that that's kind of the art theater in town. Yeah, I know! It's yeah. so bizarre. It's one of the most successful theaters in town. Mm-hmm. It's like a block and a half away from the, the 14-line that goes from our neighborhood downtown and stuff like that. Anyway. That's my story about how the damn bus in the parking lot. So what else happened? Oscar nominees, bleh. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, colon, The Promise just came out today. Mm-hmm. I had not heard about this until yesterday. It's, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender comic, uh, I think written and maybe drawn by Gene Yang, who did a great graphic novel called American Born Chinese. Uh, he's a Chinese guy, Ameri- he's an American Born Chinese, as you can <laughs> tell from the title of his first graphic novel. Uh, but no, he's an Asian guy who does great comics, and, uh, yeah, he just wrote this, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender comic, which is, from what I've heard, has links into Korra, hmm. the Avatar Legend of Korra that's coming out later on this year. It's a, it's a slight graphic novel. It's only like eight bucks on Amazon. It's like 80 pages. It's not like a big, fat, thick book. It sounds like it's like just a big, chubby, one-off single issue of a comic. But that sounds pretty cool. It's by Dark Horse, and I like Dark Horse. Chubby one-off is my band name. <laughs> that was my contribution to that. <laughs> Thank you, Andy, from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Uh, the Resurrected Bone movie has oh, yeah. a writer. Not that Man. it's called Resurrected Bone. <laughs> I thought it's also my pit. I didn't realize there's supposed to be a live action Bone movie. I thought that died years and years well, ago. Well, originally it was going to be um, fully animated, and that died. And then it was going to be um, 3D. Bone being the Jeff Smith comic that yes. we all love. Yeah, because Jeff Smith took like a year that off from making CGI the comic. CGI movie. What the fuck? It should be traditionally animated. Come on, motherfucker. Uh, yeah. Just you have to find a good from... studio that to do it. Who's yeah. gonna do it? That's not Disney, though. Who has the resources to do a good, uh, traditionally animated film? Miyazaki. Oh. How rad would that be? Oh, How rad would that be? Why would Miyazaki you not make what? it environmentally? Miyazaki might actually make that story even better. Cause yeah. It would just be Lord of the Rings. But... Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, now oh, I have a resurrected shit. bone. Except yeah. you would like kill oh, off the never bones happen. in the first five minutes of the movie, and the whole movie would <laughs> become about Thor. Which wouldn't be bad. Necessarily. No, I shouldn't wow. say that. I love ben as a Miyazaki character. Yeah. Oh, and Lucius. Bill, there's your new print. Oh, I'm just saying. Wow. I'm just saying, Bill. <sighs> I just gave myself chills. That's it would never happen, but there's my alternate reality. No, that just came fully formed. Wow. wow. I just we need came. To petition that. I'm just saying. That's an amazing I'm idea. I'm wet. My butt's <laughs> wet just from thinking about that. Uh, okay, uh, Ben Affleck, he's making a live action version of Stephen King's The Stand. I don't know where the hell that came from. That got a writer, so that seems like that's moving forward. Uh, there's a 1999 mode in Bioshock Infinite. Do you Have you heard about this? Yes. It's a hard mode. I don't, everyone's saying it's System Shock 2. I don't know what the hell that means. I've never played the System Shock games supposed to be hard it's in bioshock infinite you know what I'll, you know what that's great what we need is fucking release date fuck that shit tell me when it's coming out i'm put down pre-order shut up ken levine uh the chuck jones experience uh yeah wait, how about what's the chuck jones experience now you have me interested what's that it's fucking news what tell you about what the fuck 
fuck you think it is? No, Chuck Jones' experience sounds potentially ghetto. Uh, the Chuck Jones experience is just open up in Las Vegas in the Circus Circus Casino. That sounds problematic. Wait, wait, I've been to the Circus Circus I've Casino. I've heard a terrible thing. I oh, only know wow. Circus Circus from uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. When I went on a family vacation to Las Vegas with yeah. my, uh, when that brief period where Vegas was being marketed to families. <laughs> that <laughs> week like, and a half. It was like a summer. Let's go. Here's my here's my anecdote from Las Vegas. Um, walking down the street with my little sister, and there's strip clubs all around us. And so I go, Katie. I Katie, wonder why that didn't last. I grab long her yet. hand and tell her to look down. We look down on the street corners. There are people giving out pamphlets for the street the strip yeah, clubs. Yeah, I could. Yeah. People grab them immediately, drop them. The street was literally paved with pornography. How old were you and your sister? Thirteen. Fourteen. Oh man. My and so my sister was like eleven or twelve. It was a fun trip, though. So, we stayed at Circus Circus. It's a terrifying many, place. How many kids are going to drag through that environment to go take them to the Chuck <laughs> Jones experience? That's a weird thing to choose. So the Chuck Jones experience is just, uh, it's as sad as this sounds, it sounds like the preeminent place in America if you want to go teach people about what Chuck Jones was and who he did. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it says, right? So <laughs> what Chuck Jones was and who he did. The Chuck Jones experience. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be like a little Chuck Jones museum where you can go in there and like hand, you could learn how to paint, uh, animation cells yourself Seriously? and all kinds of shit like that. Yeah. It sounds kind of cute, but Man. I can see that shit's getting shut down in a week no, and a half. No, here's the thing though. I wish, I wish we could send this exhibit back in time to when I was staying in Las Vegas because that would have been the only you, your thing. Your shit would have just flown off. I would have literally lost my shit. Your girl penis would have shot off I around your brain. I would still be in Las Vegas. I would um, just live there. Uh, all, along with this comes the news that one in three people cannot recognize Bugs Bunny. Half don't recognize Daffy Duck. <gasps> We're getting old. Oh man. Well, it's gotten to the point you can't watch Looney Tunes on network television. There's no Saturday morning cartoons for that. You have it's to just, go out of your way to like maybe on Cartoon Network. I think, or something no, no, no. Like I that. think you have to like. There's like a. It's like not. It's like an ex, a primary like a, a a fuck. What's it called? Like a channel you pay for that has Looney Tunes. Yeah. This is this is directly linked to the failure of American News. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I'm going to talk about this briefly. The terrible sitcom that Kat Dennings is on, Two Broke Girls. We well, talked about that at length last shut week. Shut up. Shut up. It's maybe racist, but maybe I love it anyway. She's great. Yes. I looked her up, but I realized she's thick. What I did not say, but part of my fixation with Kat Dennings, is that she is the first person I have ever seen in media who has my body type. So it's fascinating to watch her, because I'm maybe I'm watching and thinking, I can wear those also. Yeah. I'm taking fashion tips. Shut up. <laughs> Everyone's talking about how hot she is. You're not, you're like... Well, I don't mean that in a... Blah, blah. I mean, I am. I have her body shape. So it's really fascinating because it's like, man, I'm, I really do want to write the costume director and go, hey, bitches, where you get that? Because I won't wear Why that. Not? What's 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 your worst going to happen? It's a weird thing. Anyway, I don't have many people that I can go, I want to wear their clothes. Yeah, you so. know, I can see that. I can totally see that. Yeah. I have her exact body type. Wow. Anyway, you get I, but I, I, this right her, show. At least you can get a name for what that body type is called to make you easier finding clothes. <laughs> there you go. Because Annie, Annie, what do you just? How do you describe yourself for the viewers at home? Like, how do you even like describe? Go Google image search Cat Dennings maker fatter and I'm Cat Dennings. <laughs> Wait, you're not fat. No, I'm not fat. I got I got me a tongue and yeah. I got me um what what we can colloquially call saddlebags. And, uh, what the hell, saddlebags? uh, it's saddlebags. You got them on your legs. They're your saddlebags. You got hips? What does that well, mean? Well, it's, you, I got hips and I got tits, but I got the tum that, um, almost You got everything. Out. You got the fertility goddess thing going. <laughs> really? There you go. That's it. Fertility Annie, goddess. Annie is the most stereotypically feminine. Like, your body type went out of fashion, like, in, in like, 1910. 
But no. like all the way up until 1910, you were like the ideal body type where you just got big tits, you got belly, you got every, you were like, I, you were I, the fertility fuck machine in like, in like ancient Greece. I am, I am the sort of body type where, um, in a, uh, Seven Brides or Seven Brothers scenario, when Adam Potipi comes to Oregon, he sees me and says, yes, she will give me many children yeah, that can work my farm. Way, it's funny because when you see actually fat people and they're like, I'm, I'm a Venus de Milo type, or no, what's, what's the fertility thing? Like little fat figure thing? A fertility idol. No, but there's so like something like there's a specific Rubenesque. Where, not Rubenesque. Well, yeah, yeah, Rubenesque. You, you're Rubenesque. There's a, there's something that when actual like fat, morbidly obese people are like, I'm like not Rubenesque, but there's something like like yes. Big bone. <laughs> there's no, there's like a specific little icon thing where people are like no, like that's not what you. Oh, you're I know fat, what you're talking about. But you're not like in a healthy Rubenesque. Like I'm gonna give off a lot of babies and, and buttermilk out of my tits kind of way. It's like oh my god, stop eating gravy kind of way. But anyway, moral of the story, Kat Dennings has made two or three Looney Tunes jokes, and that makes me Aww. like her more. Uh, so I want to surgically remove her character from this TV show and put her in. Do you want to make out with her at the uh, Chuck I don't want to make out with her. No, I don't want to make out with her. You don't want to kiss her and then ask her where she shops? You guys can go <laughs> cool shopping together and like get changed in front of each other. There we go. Your girlfriend can take photos. There oh we go. Oh my god. They're, they're That'd be too creepy. Wow. I have too much self-loathing to be in love with Kat Debbie. <laughs> but <laughs> I can't. That is kind of weird to jerk off to somebody who's like, you're a Zach body type. Exactly. You know? It's not, I just want to, I want to buy, I want to maybe borrow. That's why I can't jerk off to Harry Knowles. <laughs> you know, I'm always Anyway, tempted, Chuck Joe's experience. Uh, Lego will be making Minecraft Lego sets. I don't understand that means. Aren't Lego Minecraft sets called Legos? Yeah. Uh, the only way that kind of makes sense to me, what I'm assuming is that maybe, like, you can use a thousand bricks to make, like, a giant, like, Minecraft cube. Otherwise, you would think the Lego bricks would be textured like the in-game Lego block, or the in-game Minecraft blocks. It'd be too Otherwise, to do. that's what I'm saying. So I'm assuming it's just gonna be a Lego set where you can build, like, a giant pickaxe. Like, a, like an in-game 8-bit pickaxe. That's just weird. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Uh, I mean, it's smart and weird. Raymond Origins is going to be a launch title for Vita. I forgot Vita's coming out. <laughs> um, last thing. Uh, did you see the quote from Naughty Dog where they were... Oh, God. If I click on this, this is going to destroy things. Uh, did you see... Uh, it's coming you up. It it's, to me, it's taking a I, moment to come up. I just really up. understand what you wanted me to feel about it. Okay, here's the quote from Naughty Dog. We're trying to say something about human beings and how they exist. Now, uh... Not necessarily just in this setting, but in every setting. We try, we try so hard at Naughty Dog to push things, and then games come out that are fun and exciting and get visceral things right. But to read in reviews that they have an amazing story is disheartening to us. Because we work so hard at it, we really hope we can raise the bar. Uh, everyone was uh, flipping out about that. Um, what do you have to say about that? Well, I when I read it that, sounds like they're bitching because other people have good stories and they want to be the only company with good stories. When I read when I read when you emailed that to me and I read it, I was like, so is Bill just taking a sh an anger shit right now because of this? Because he did it like this a is actually, to this is so for a whole episode by itself. I think I think that it. I mean, basically, what he is saying is most games have a shitty story and our expectations are very low. No, yeah, most games do have shitty stories. That's how I understood that. We're not to talk about games with good stories. Is all I'm saying. We can do that. Do we? Can we? We. Can. <laughs> I give you permission, Please, Mama Mary. <laughs> are you done with your list? Or are you still? That's it. That's done. Okay. I I, I blasted. Okay, so we're gonna take. A break. I think that God bless him for trying. 
If their yeah. goal, they're like, you know what? We do really good visuals. Let's try and tell good I stories. It's a little now. bit weird when they get petty about like other people getting acclaimed for good stories. There are a lot. There are a lot of games out there which people claim have good stories, which are terrible stories. Well, it's like, like when people say solid. like Modern Warfare. But they, well, it's just know. also taking out of context. We're not quite sure exactly what they were talking about. But it was just kind of like it was kind of Rorschach test. You can read into it whatever you want. Yeah, it was a shit. I read into it. Bill is anger shitting. That's what right I'm still grumpy after Uncharted Three. So any action, <laughs> anytime you have... email me anything related to The Last of Us. <laughs> I just assume that you're preemptively serious. You still don't know anything about The Last of Us. Anyway, we're gonna shut up. We're coming back. We should mention we at the top of our episodes. We have to t- tell them what we're gonna be talking about. No we're one gonna... shows up. Who the hell? No, no. I guarantee you that no one is showing up. Oh, they're talking about X. I want to hear what they have to say. They we are talking Harris about Rimble. the fascinating thing, which is our favorite game. <laughs> our favorite game. Kids come running for the taste of two fat people on baseball, talking about their favorite video. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about our favorite games. This is always an interesting thing to hear from people because it's not, again, it's like our when we were talking about the best game of last year. Yeah. It's not necessarily what our, you think are the best games ever made. It's what it's games favorite games that yeah. you enjoy. It's oh, nice. on Twitter I was complaining about how I couldn't figure out what my favorite games were. Uh, or, no, I couldn't figure out what my favorite games of last gaming generation were. And, like, Rachel Edidin, who was a friend of ours, she was like, Oh, just, just put your favorite, not what you think are best. I know what the best games in the world are supposed to be. Yeah. They're mostly bullshit. Because yeah. my favorite games tend to be the most fucking retarded games. The only game uh, that I have on my list that is from this generation is really a weird choice, so I'm right there with you. I thought, no, I thought it was... Oh, you... Okay, well, what's your first list? What's what, what's your title? What's your uh, pick, then? Well, I mean, I have a lot of games. Okay, well, what's your first pick, then? Does Not, not necessarily the one from this generation. Well, of course, the best video game of all time is Tetris. Ooh. Not wrong. I mean, seriously. As someone who spent eight bucks on the 3DS version of Tetris. Specifically, the best video game ever made is the Game, game Boy, Boy version of because Tetris. Because they put out the Game Boy version of Tetris yeah. on, the, on the 3DS. It was like yeah. 7 or $8. I bought it's the shit it. out of that. There is no version of Tetris. If you want to borrow my 3DS just to play I that. I would buy a 3DS just to have it be my Tetris device. Because oh, Tetris yeah. is the best game ever made. Maybe that money, I still think, yeah, as an electronic game you can play, that still yeah. may be the best. It is the best that, game that, Tetris has been at the top of a lot of people's all-time 100 lists. It it's kind of fallen off not, now. More, it's you know, number one. Gears of War and shit it's like number that. one. It is number one. <sighs> if, Everyone in my family has played Tetris. Everyone. My grandfather, who doesn't own a computer, and who served in Korea, <laughs> has played Tetris. And has said, Annie, can I play some more Tetris? Do you Tetris? think 20 years from now people are going to be saying the same thing about Angry Birds, though? No. Oh, God. There is something in Tetris that you can play forever. Well, you can figure it out in, ten, like, not 10 seconds, but, like, like five minutes you it's can figure exactly. it out. Exactly. But then once you figure it out, it's 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 the t- typical thing of yeah, easy it's to like, learn, hard to master. Yeah. It's Tetris, man. Shit, man. Well, you just blew the just whole stop, thing. Stop, stop talking right there. No, because I, my family and I, we did not have a lot of money, um, and yeah. um, but we did buy a Game Boy. I can't remember why my mom bought me a Game Boy, but that was the first. Did um, you even ask for it? I can't remember. It was yeah. So I mean, but but I remember we. I think we actually broke our cartridge of Tetris. We played it so much, like we. I think we wore off the contacts inside yeah. the cartridge, and it stopped playing. And we bought another one. <laughs> like I mean, it was just like I still like I was at this. I was at a used game store nearby, and they had a Game Boy with a Tetris, and I almost 
I mean, I, I, wish, I wish I had bought it. Because you could have bought that for five bucks. Exactly. Because, I mean, it's the most ubic- arguably the most ubiquitous, like, portable and the most... Uh... Yeah. See? I just go to my happy place. Oh, man, and those sound effects. Yeah, it's got the... I mean, it's... it's, it's yeah. That was the only, like, I remember, because, I mean, you know, because they had the multiplayer, quote-unquote, the Game Link stuff. Yeah. That was the only multiplayer game I've ever played that I thought was actually worth the effort. To this day, that was worth the effort of going through the trouble to play multiplayer. Until Pokemon came out. That's right. No, but Tetris, man, the music, it's perfect. And, like, it, it's just Fuck. the gameplay, it's perfect. The Tetris is the most perfect video game I've ever played. Okay. And it's the most fascinating story. Any of you is guys... That the one, is that is that, that's off your list? It's on my list. God, I put damn. it on there. Yeah, Bill. We just made suck the, the on the Tetris that. podcast. <laughs> Tetris podcast. If anyone has never heard the story of Tetris, highly recommend. It's got going an amazing plot. It. It's fascinating. You would not think that the Kremlin would be involved in the story of Tetris. Oh, you're talking about like the creation of? I thought you meant the actual plot of Tetris. No, not the narrative of Tetris. No, it's... I thought the plot of Tetris was trying to clear all the blocks away so you get like Mario and Link and all the Zelda and Nintendo characters like, playing <laughs> instruments as. The, the thing as the Russian Kremlin takes off. That's right. Does that happen in the Game Boy version? Because the no. Nintendo version, maybe I'm thinking of the Nintendo, like the Ape and Nintendo version. Shut Tetris up, is the best game we've played. You, there's nothing you can say about Tetris. Tetris is amazing. No, yeah. You know, you just mentioned Tetris. You know exactly what you're talking about. My mom. Yeah. We don't, yeah. My mom, uh, my, my, apparently my ma, uh, my father for Mother's Day, or for perhaps Valentine's Day, got my mom a shitty little LCD, like, keychain Aww. Tetris, and she thought it was the best present she's ever gotten in her life. And think about it. I mean, think about it. That is one of the best pre- presents you can get anyone in the world. That's perfect! This 3DS came out. When that t- Game Boy Tetris came out, that was, like, the big thing that came out for, like, the, the 3DS in, like, the last month. Tetris. Tetris. Yes. Tet- no, okay. Should we just... Let's just go home. <laughs> Tetris is the best video game ever made. Oh. I don't know what... I, so, I, I... Wait, do I have the list? What's, what, what's one of your favorite Okay, games, well, uh, first choice on my uh, list of favorite games. Uh, this is, yeah, randomly... This I can't even say these are the five best games ever made or anything no, like these that. these are your uh, My own games. personal favorites off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting because I could not think of any games that are my... That I could honestly list as one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, from the last uh, generation two of, of gaming hardware, no yeah. PlayStation Three or Xbox games. Yeah. Uh, just I was thinking about how much of it is because most of my games are from Eight Bit Nintendo or the Nintendo sixty four or even the Dreamcast. Uh, it's because uh, back in those days it was so easy to replay games over and over again. Yeah. That you get a good, you can get a really good feel for a game and how it compares to other games. Yeah. And aside from the fact that it's nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know, but. Uh, uh, like I was thinking, like my my first uh, one of my first picks is Super Mario Brothers two, yeah. which you can play the, through that whole game in about an hour. Uh, but and I've probably played through that whole game thirty times. But uh, one of my favorite games of all time is also Mass Effect two, mm-hmm. which takes about thirty hours to get through. That thirty hours you play through once. Super Mario Brothers two you, you sink thirty hours into. You can beat it thirty times. You never really have to play that game again. Yeah. And so for all the uh, like bazillion times I've played through Super Mario Brothers two, I've played through like Mass Effect once. So it's hard to say like, I don't know. There's a disproportionate amount of time put into those yeah. games, so it's hard to compare like which one is really. Because I've I've never gone back and played Mass Effect yeah. two because I only had to play it the one time. I'll probably go back and play it someday. But God knows I'm not gonna go back and play it thirty fucking times like I have Super Mario Brothers two. Yeah. Anyway, so that's more about the criteria. My first choice, though, is Castlevania, which yeah. is the second NES game I ever played. I, pro- I may have mentioned the story in the podcast before, but the first time I ever uh, played 
uh, the 8-bit Nintendo was when I was like 11 years old. I went to a friend's house. Uh, the adults uh, were all playing poker while the kids were all playing the 8-bit Nintendo in in the den. And uh, my this this kid, he had, this is the first time any of us had actually seen an 8-bit Nintendo. This, the, he must have gotten this like the fall he came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had uh, Legend of Zelda and Castlevania. And he showed me The Legend of Zelda, totally blew my mind, because the reason I even brought up the Nintendo, aside from the fact that I was, I, like, I, I, like, I had grown up playing the uh, the uh, Atari 2600 for my sister, and uh, so I was so used to that, but I heard about the Nintendo, I heard it was supposed to be pretty good, I'd seen the commercials and stuff, but this is the first time I'd seen it there, and then I was like, well, what, what were all these piles of graph paper next to Nintendo? He's like, oh, this is for a game called Legend of Zelda, me and my dad have been playing this for, like, six months, and we're trying to figure out all the maps by, like mapping them out on graph paper. And I was like, what the fuck kind of game is that? (laughs) And so he let me play that for two seconds. Technically, that was the first Nintendo game I ever actually played. Uh, Didn't know what the fuck I was doing, got bored really quick. I appreciated how deep it was, but I was in so deep, I was just like, well, this is great, but, like, is there anything else that's more, like, you know, like, a little bit more, like, like, simpler and he was like oh yeah i got this game called castlevania mm-hmm. and uh, that blew my fucking mind because you know instead of a big vast world it's literally just go from left to right uh, yeah. just uh, smashing zombies and stuff like that but that like that was the first video game i ever played because like i said i grew up playing the atari 2600 which showed me that a game could have kind of its own sense of art direction and atmosphere yeah i mean compared to games now of course the original 8-bit castlevania seems you know, super primitive the music isn't actually that great yeah no it isn't that great the music's so fucking good. Love Castlevania music. But it was so moody and atmospheric. Like, it was the first time I ever, like, got sucked into a game. Aside from that, this being the first night I ever actually played a Nintendo system. And uh, I played that until dawn. And I only got up to, like, maybe the, the mummies in Castlevania. But even when I got my own Nintendo system about a year later, the first game I bought after... I think it came with Super Mario Brothers, but the first yeah. game I found a copy of that, you know, outside of the system was Castlevania, and I played the living shit out of that. Yeah. And that was just, like, the action was great, the graphics were awesome, it was so creepy. Yeah. It was just all around just a great package. Um, yeah. Yeah. Castlevania! Castlevania! And the music's still so good. It's so beautiful. And going back to, like, I, I, like this last fall I was designing a Castlevania map. Uh, to make a print of and sell, and so I was looking at a bunch of uh, old uh, screen caps of the original Castlevania, and it's funny going back because I remember the game looking so kind of creepy and stuff, but I forgot how much of the game was just made of like bright purples and pinks and oranges and stuff yeah. like that, where it doesn't look like it's creepy, but like well, to be fair, imagine it on your television with the fuzz of your TV and the yeah, room, and it just you know? like yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be that creepy, but like the way they just play those 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 specific colors against each other look kind of like really lurid and yeah kind of nightmarish but kind of cool and you know so yeah that's still one of my favorite games plays great yeah you know it's it's just you're smashing things it's got all the classic universal monsters where you're fighting dracula and the mummy yeah and uh medusa for no reason yeah but yeah no it's it's that game's fucking the shit yeah yeah anyway that's adorable so next on my list of my favorite View games of all time. Yeah. Uh, it's Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah? Um, the Super Nintendo was the first console that we ever had. and um, That, that was, was the first console. Yeah. Because, I mean, I had a Game Boy, but really it was a Tetris yeah, the, playing this device. This is the first thing you can hook up to your TV. Yes. Because um, my, um, my family got it, and um, we would all play 
Super Mario World together. Like, that's the only, to this day, like, we had that Super Nintendo until recently. Yeah. And I broke it. Um, oh, you told me about that. Yeah, a couple of years ago. And my sister, I think, still feels betrayed, because we would still hang out and play Super Mario World. And that was the only video game that my mother would actually go and play by herself sometimes, yeah. too. But I don't know. Like, it was oh. the first platform game I ever really, really, really played. And I just really, I mean, enjoyed the music and everything, and I enjoyed playing it with my family. Yeah. And, like, watching my sister play a level, and then thinking in my life, you did it wrong, you do it this way. I can't believe you missed that block! Come on! And then going back and doing uh-huh. it myself. It was I like, love that your memories of Super Mario World are so baked in with memories of your family. Yeah. My memories of Castlevania are just, like, being alone. Because everyone went to sleep that night. I wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be a sleepover, but all the parents got drunk and they all just crashed. Yeah. Everyone passed out in the poker den. Like, mm-hmm. literally fell asleep in their chairs, and the kids all went to sleep in the den. Mm-hmm. And I was still up until dawn playing Castlevania all by myself. It's funny yeah. that, 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 but I still remember that being such a great night, even though, like, it was me with, like, the volume turned almost all the way down. Like, yeah. we're almost, like, face against the TV wall. It's yours. It's a very kind of communal well, see, I think family. That's, like, hmm. it's one of the, my, I mean, uh, there are many reasons why I like my wife, but one of my favorite things about my wife is that she loves watching me play video games yeah. and playing with me when she can. But it, it becomes, it's so much more interesting to me as a communal experience when you can talk about what is happening. Oh, yeah and like having a dialogue about it it's like and that totally comes from playing video games with my family like we didn't play much we only played we didn't own many games we had super mario world and um donkey kong the donkey kong games can you recite any music from uh, super mario world i was gonna say if you played like Oh, we should do acapella. You got me. You, got... You, you can't claim it's a favorite unless you can sing like like at least thirty seconds of a, th- a song from the uh, from the game. <laughs> yes. Are you happy? Oh, even with Yoshi, that was a good game. <laughs> Uh, I loved I, it. Yoshi was fine. I liked Man, it. Super, that thing, you're not going to out of the ballpark. I'm just farting along here. Just trying to <laughs> oh, don't worry. Way. I'm about to just let out a big wet one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, uh, so that's it for Super Mario World? Yeah, I love Super Mario World. Uh, uh, similar track, I picked Super Mario Brothers 2, as I mentioned before. Bill and I share an oh. irrational love of Super Mario Brothers 2. Super Mario Brothers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you picked Super Mario Brothers 2, too. Mm-hmm. It's my I favorite like... of the NES games. Yeah, it's got the ragtime music. Yeah. And I just love the aesthetic. Well, this is another thing where this is one of the first, uh, aside from Castlevania, this is also one of the first uh, Nintendo games that really showed that you could have a sense of art style. Yeah. With kind of like the slightly more cartoony graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, man, you look at Super Mario Bros. 2 compared to uh, the original Super Mario Bros. Man, that shit yeah. is like head and shoulders. I still think that game looks better than Super Mario Bros. 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, like, uh, Super Mario Bros. I think 2 it feels more coherent. Yeah, which is weird because Super Mario Bros. 2 is infamously not, did, did not start off life as a Super Mario Brothers game was a Japanese game called Doki Doki Panic, which was developed by the Super Mario Brothers team, but was uh, developed for this uh, Fuji TV project that later got ported to America and, and retroactively turned into a Super Mario Brothers game. But uh, despite the fact that like Super Mario Brothers 2 is interesting because they actually did come out with a Super Mario Brothers sequel in Japan. Which was essentially just a level, an expansion pack for the original mm-hmm. game. Yeah, it was just all levels. the same. It was all the same graphics and everything as the original game, except like, except the game was a hell of a lot harder. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miyamoto, the guy who you know makes uh, Mario games, he's even actually come out and said that like his he only had about twenty percent input into the Japanese sequel to Super Mario Brothers, and mm-hmm. that's what supposedly that kind of explains why that's kind of so difficult and shitty. 
Whereas he put his full uh, effort into making this Doki Doki Panic game, which huh. later got converted into Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah. Uh, because Fuji TV, who contracted Miyamoto to make uh, what to make this uh, Doki Doki Panic game, which got mm -hmm. turned into Super Mario Brothers 2, they were like, well, could you make us like a Super Mario Brothers game that doesn't have to be like Super Mario Brothers, but whatever you think would be fun. Mm -hmm. And so he had free access to kind of like make a Super Mario Brothers style kind of game, but kind of do whatever he wanted. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of gave him free... Uh, free will to kind of like mess with the formula that he otherwise wouldn't have been able to if he mm -hmm. was just trying to like make a direct Super Mario Brothers sequel. And uh, the fact that it got actually turned into a Super Mario Brothers sequel after the fact when it came to America was just a nice touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ragtime music. You yeah. can gamble for lives. I like the, the color choices. Yeah. Like there's kind of black, white, and red for the most part. Which is really kind of weird, but like, yeah. I really see. And like, the music's kind of like really cool. It's got like parts of it have kind of like little vibrato, like drum effects mm -hmm. and yeah. stuff like that. And you play as the princess. You can, you don't have to play I as Mario that. Luigi. I, I would always play with princess. Princess and Luigi. Those yeah, my well, Luigi could jump high. Not yeah. all the characters played uh, the same. Yeah, yeah. They all play differently. Yeah, the princess could float. Especially all the shitty ass ice stages where everything's yeah. slippery. She could just jump over long gaps and just jump over the slippery ice. Oh man, that game's the shit. And like, it's the only Mario game where Bowser's not the bad guy. It's yeah. a big frog guy named Wart you have to kill by feeding him vegetables because he likes junk food and bullshit. So <laughs> why he has a machine that shoots out this uh, veg these, these vegetables that are poisoning him, I have no idea. Uh, Are you troubled by the lack of internal logic to the dream you know game why? of Super Mario 2? You know what? The best part of the game, that fact that it turns out to be all a dream in yeah. Mario's head. Yeah. Uh, you know, who cares? You don't have to worry about logic. <laughs> that, I remember when I beat Super Mario Bros. 2, I forced my, my parents in the middle of dinner. Yeah. I had to come up and watch the ending. <laughs> I remember really the game where Mario was sleeping and then the credits came up and I went... It looks like a cartoon! Oh. And I was so happy to like, that's fine, son. And I was so happy. And he's oh, like, little he's Billy. breathing! And yeah, Super Mario Bros. 2 is a shit. That's but pretty great. it's better than Super Mario Bros. 3. Fuck that shit. Super Mario Bros. 3 is good too, but yeah. man, Super Mario Bros. is the apex of the 8 bit Mario yeah. games. Okay, my next game is kind of a cheat because it's two games. Uh oh. Um, I was a, um, a, a adventure game kid, pretty hardcore. Played a little bit of the Sierra games, mostly the Gabriel Knight games I really liked, but the rest of them weren't my style. I played a lot of LucasArts games, and yeah. I really liked LucasArts. I loved Monkey Island and Sam and Max and The Dig and all that. Um, uh, I even played Loom. But um, my favorites are Full Throttle and Grim Fandango. Okay. Um, and what Did I liked... Did like right after each other? Nah-ish, sort of. Okay. Um, what I liked about those games, um, really was that those were the first video games where I really felt, as much as I enjoyed the games and the gameplay, that I felt immersed in the world and in the art direction. Okay. Um, Full Throttle is actually beautiful, because it was, like, at the, one of the last gasps of 2D adventure games. I was about to ask if it was, like, political. Yeah, so it's, well, it's, so it's all, like, paint, like, painted backgrounds and, like, great animated characters and, um... I really liked the character designs in it and the mm -hmm. world design, and I really wanted to know what the hell was going on in this world that it was set in, because yeah. it's vaguely post-apocalyptic. It's kind of mad, like if we're, is Mad Max is very, very Australian, kind of Mad Max but very, very American. Was this like fifties fifties diners and greasers? Sort of, stuff? yeah. Because it's yeah. You're, you play a guy, a biker named Ben. What's his name? Um, and he gets caught up in the. That's uh, actually his name. Ben, what's his name? Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh -huh. um, who is the um, gang leader of the Polecats? 
and his gang is taken from him, and he's basically um, uh, gets wrapped up in the machinations of this giant corporation. And uh, he's a great mechanic named Mo, who's a lady, and she's awesome. The music is great because they actually got a biker, like a biker band called the Gone Jackals to do the music. Wow! For, like yeah. at least they, to do some. They took some of the songs from this band called the Gone Jackals, and then uh, which is great. And then um, I think it was Peter McConnell, who the, the music guys at, at Lucas are fantastic, and they yeah. did a really great atmospheric score for it. It was one of the first times where the art direction and the world just totally swept me away in a video game to the point where I, when the game was over, I wanted to keep going. Yeah. Like I wanted to understand why the world is that way and the history of it and like all the little details. And I like devoured. I bought the game guide just because it had concepts aren't in it and stuff that wasn't put in the God, game. Damn, yeah. And um, the seeds of in full throttle actually are the seeds are there for psychonauts because there was a part of the game where um, Ben was supposed to take peyote and have a, a dream oh, like okay, trip yeah. out and LucasArts made him not cut it out and it kind of led into this concept of a game taking place in the mind that turned into psychonauts. But Grim Fandango is very similar in that because it's it's very it's pretty it's it's a film. It, I mean, when you pitch it, it's great. It's a noir adventure game set in um a kind of a, a the Mexican land of the dead or like a, a more to the point like kind of a um what's it a um uh, between living this world and the next. What's that? I'm a really bad Catholic. It starts with P. Purgatory. Purgatory. Thank you. Like this purgatory state. Um, and it's it's also really really heavily inspired by art deco yeah. sort of architecture and, and design and like 40s and 30s design so it's like that with like the Dia de Mos Muertos stuff like blended together with this really great again killer that score that like the game itself it's another one of those 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 two games I just enjoyed the world and the characters so much I would play a puzzle game set in these worlds just because I just want as much from this world as I can I enjoy yeah. it so much and and Tom, Tim Schafer was very deliberately very sparing in how he explained the rules of the world because it didn't really matter you just kind of populate the world with his characters and everything would serve his gameplay and so he wouldn't necessarily I mean because that's not the point of the game the point of the game is not like Mass Effect where you're learning more about this universe it's really yeah. just you're dropped in this universe for the context of the game and that's it and I wanted more and that was like the first time that I really stopped and looked at a video game as art and as a storytelling device um, I mean to some degree you can say that with all of the adventure games like from LucasArts and, and, and Sierra but that was the first one that really I was like oh wait I really like how this is drawn I really like how this is written and made me think about it in a more in like in a, at a higher level so thank you Timmy like, I want to play Grim Fandango, but you can't. Like, it's not like you can totally play it on the Mac. Yeah, I'll have to find. I'll you have to can see trust me, like. my friend. You can play it. Maybe I'll not legally. I it, but like, I I have bought like again. That should be like on the iTunes Store. I should be able to play it on the iPad. Or I have like bought enough. I think because they the LucasArts released a lot of their games on Steam, but I think that one there's trouble because it is 3D and yeah. it's a little more difficult. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because it's yeah. You can play it. I'm just saying. I'll find a way. I'll it's not very difficult. It's called I'll get the internet. I'll coffee off of Amazon. Um, uh, yes. What's yeah. next on your list, Bill? Uh, Majora's Mask. The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Uh, this is the uh, sequel to the N64's Ocarina of Time, which is often held up as not only the best Legend of Zelda game of all time, but the best game of all time, which is bullshit, because Ocarina of Time is good, 
I still, it's not the best game ever made, especially now, like, 15 years on. I'm sure there's, there's gotta be games out there that are better. Than it's so hard time. to hold up any game as the best game of all That's, time. Well, especially as technology advances, yeah. as game design philosophy advances and changes. It's and very like hard that. to go back to some video oh, games. Oh, Great Time is good. I, like I said, I'm playing it on 3DS right now, and it still holds up, like, the basics of it. I mean, mechanically, like, it gets a little weird sometimes when characters aren't really talking. Well, the fact that, I don't know. But no, Majora's Mask, well, no, as good as the Ocarina of Time is, if you were to consider uh, Ocarina of Time the Star Wars of Zelda games, then Majora's Mask is the Empire Strikes Back of Zelda games, where it took everything that Ocarina of Time did and uh, just kind of made it more sophisticated and better and kind of improved upon everything. Mm -hmm. uh, literally actually took a lot of the things that uh, Ocarina of Time did and the fact that Majora's Mask uh, is built off of all the same like NPC models and environment hmm. models and oh, stuff really? like that in the Ocarina of Time. Yeah, Ocarina, uh, Majora's Mask is essentially just... Uh, a reskin? Yeah, almost like, well, not quite a reskin, but like almost like an expansion pack that, oh, I don't see, oh, it just took all the same game assets from Ocarina mm -hmm. of Time. There's some, they made up some new stuff sure. for Majora's Mask. It's an entirely new story. The story uh, takes place like a year or two after uh, Ocarina of Time. Uh, but it's just, uh, uh, Majora's Mask is all about how uh, Link from the Ocarina of Time, he ends up, uh, Someone ends up stealing his horse. He runs up, running out into the forest. Mm -hmm. He ends up getting his horse back, but then the big little, this little kid called the Skull Kid, who's like this little scarecrow boy, mm -hmm. uh, ends up stealing his, uh, his little magical ocarina, which is the whole gist of the first like Ocarina of Time game. Uh -huh. And uh, he has to go uh, after this kid and, and try to get his ocarina back. But before he even gets can find the ocarina, this Skull Kid also turns. Link into this little uh, monster called a Deku, which is like this almost like little nut thing with mm -hmm. arms and legs and a big snout. It almost looks like Hubert or something like yeah. that. And uh, it, the whole game turns into this quest of like, in order to uh, turn back into human form, you have to take the magic power of this Deku form that you've been turned into and seal it into a mask that you mm -hmm. that later you can put it back on and turn into the Deku. Mm -hmm. And the reason you do that is because this Deku form has magic powers where you can fly and do stuff like that. Yeah. And the this game is really interesting because uh, most Zelda games are about you just kind of like interact with townsfolk, you go out to a field and fight monsters, and you find a dungeon, go into the dungeon, and, and fight a monster, and you come back out. It's just you go back to town, go like search through a field, go to the dungeon. Uh, Majora Mask shapes, really shapes, shakes everything up by turning the whole overworld world with all the NPC characters in the town into kind of a big time based dungeon by itself. Uh, because part of the big thing, other than the fact that, like, you're being turned into different creatures in the game, where the, the power of those creatures that you're being turned into are, are, is, is, is put into mask form so you can take this, these masks on, on and off and turn into different things, uh, part of the gist of the game is that the whole world is about to be destroyed by this giant moon that's coming, crashing down onto the planet. And it's, it's, the whole world's gonna get destroyed in three days. And, uh, you have three days to save the world. <laughs> the only problem is that there's no way in hell you could actually do everything you need to do in the game in just yeah. three days. Yeah. Uh, so, when you finally do get your little magic ocarina of, of time back from which you used in the Ocarina of Time, the first game, uh, you can use the ocarina to jump back and forth between the three days that you have left before the moon comes crashing down. Mm -hmm. And use uh, t and manipulate time to help out villagers mm -hmm. uh, to get extra items and stuff like that. And that's uh, it, it, it's it's really hard to describe. Majora's Mask was a huge failure because Nintendo uh, did a terrible job marketing this game to even people 
who loved Ocarina of Time. Like I said, Ocarina, they were coming off Ocarina of Time, which is considered one of the best games of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, when people found out about this game, they th- thought the game only takes place over the course of three days, which in Zelda speak, in, in, within the Zelda games, uh, a day takes place over the course of 20 minutes. So yeah. if the game, there's three game days, that means the game's over in, in an hour. And so everyone assumed it was only an hour-long game, and nerds they didn't understand. fucking weird. I and hate nerds. If you go back, a lot of people who say they love Ocarina of Time but have never touched Majora's Mask, it's because they thought the game was, like, only an hour long. They didn't understand that, like, like as you do this Groundhog Day of thing of repeating those three days over and over again, you're changing mm-hmm. the world, and you're seeing different, you're, you're getting yeah. access to different parts of the world you wouldn't have had otherwise, and stuff yeah. like that. A game t- is just as long as and as lengthy as the Ocarina of Time, but... It's uh, in fact actually uh, Majora's Mask is the only uh, Zelda game I've ever uh, gotten a hundred percent on where I cl- like yeah. got all the items and everything like that. Yeah. That took like a hundred hours. Yeah, that was fucking ridiculous. It's a huge fucking game. Even aside from like getting all the extra shit, but just like getting through, it took like forty hours to get through the main quest. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's really moody. A lot of the uh, the c- boss creatures in the game are all kind of like uh, vaguely patterned after uh, like Day of the Dead kind of stuff, where it's yeah. all really kind of cre- creepy brightly colored but still dark and uh kooky monsters and stuff like that and the time manipulation thing is fantastic and like i said so much of the game being about helping out the villagers in the town and using time travel to like oh you got to go uh help these two lovers unite and you have a little notebook that tells you at what time the lovers are going to meet and then you have yeah. to show up and give them an item and stuff like that yeah. instead of just being in dungeons fighting monsters the fact that you're helping out people it's just like yeah. it's a really cool game and like I said, it's very hard to describe without actually playing it, but that is one of my favorite ge- That's definitely my favorite uh, Zelda game. Yeah. And uh, it's still one of my favorites, even though a lot of people don't like it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of great. That's Majora's Mask. Well, my next game also involves the manipulation of time. Oh my god, oh no, we got to talk about! Yes, so um, I ta- mentioned this in passing last week, which is why this came up. Um, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time is one of my favorite video games in the world. Yeah. Um, it was really that it was, it, 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 I played it at, um, in a time when I had not, like I said, I had mostly been, I played some platform games, and I played some adventure games, but I wasn't any good at most games, like mainstream games. Like I, I just didn't oh, yeah, feel like yeah, they were yeah. for me. And I don't know why I picked up Prince of Persia The Sands of Time, but I did. And I fucking went batshit for it. That I just love yeah. that game. So you need to understand that while I am I have the, the shape of a person who does not go outside and run around. You're Romanesque. Um, I, uh, yeah. I have the shape of someone who sits around and eats a lot of potato-based <laughs> objects. But um, I... Uh, when I was a kid, I was super, super athletic, and I ran around and did all sorts of shit and went on little adventures in my brain like you do. I loved climbing shit and jumping all over shit. Basically, I would have gone apeshit for the concept of parkour were it presented to me at that time, but I was uh, I got sick eventually and became an indoor kid. Um, but uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, totally tapped into my desire to climb on things and flip on things in a way that no other game ever had. And, and beyond that, I really liked the... Um, story. That was the first time I've ever played where there was an element that was required for the gameplay, which is, you know, the, the dagger. Yeah. It, which is a great mechanic, especially when you're like me and you're shitty at video games. Because, like, you could basically... It, this is something that has been used a lot since, but it was, I think, one of the first games to have the idea of time manipulation in that you could rewind time. So you, if you were, if you made a jump the wrong way, or if you um, stabbed someone, or like if you, you did something wrong, you could go back in time, depending on how powerful you were, yeah. and you could take a step back and redo it. 
which was great. I mean, it's perfect for someone like me who's just really bad at video games. And uh, uh, what I also enjoyed is that I liked the narrative of it. It's about this um, the, the prince um, who uh, is trying to impress his father, and he kind of charges in to um, this battle. And uh, everything is starting to go wrong, and he meets this woman, and they have a great relationship over the course of the game. Well, this but takes the whole... place like like hundreds of years ago in the kind of mythical Middle East kind of setting. It's too, where... Persia, air quotes. It's yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Where it's not really any. Persia it's like that a generically. In as much. Is he actually the prince of Persia? That's the whole point, though. And I... he's supposed to be invading another country, like in some kind of like. I can't in, even remember. In the year, like, 90, it doesn't matter. BC or something it's not. Like that. Yeah. I mean, it's as real as Arabian you know, Nights. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's but it's like it's very much so kind of. Yeah. Anyway. But what I really liked is that the way... You got a magic dagger that turns back time. Ex it, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, and everybody has a British accent, so go with it. Um, but no, uh, no, so the, um, the, what I liked about the, the whole game is being told. Like, you are this protagonist and you are telling a story to the point where when you die in the game, you know, you see the death screen, you're like, wait, wait, wait. And he, the narrator, the protagonist says, wait, yeah. wait, wait, no, that's not what happened. That is you one of my again. favorite things of all time in games. It's, it was great. It was just a great little whimsical that thing. Mechanic, yeah. Yeah, and, um, no, but no, 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 no eventually, yeah. over, over the course of the game, you meet this woman who is, um, uh, the princess of this kingdom that you're attacking that everything has gone wrong and at the end of the game you realize that basically you fucked up by capturing this dagger that allows you to man manipulate time and that um if you you can choose to undo everything and rewind back before it has happened and prevent this terrible uh, thing that will destroy like pretty much everything yeah. um but if you do that then this woman will not remember who you are and the relationship that you developed will have never happened and um, uh, you'll ha you'll give her up, and you make that choice, and you are the whole game is actually you going to meet this woman and tell her what happened and the choice that you made. Yeah. And I just thought that was such a great. I'm a hopeless romantic at the end of the day, and that was the first time a video game told a story that afterwards I was actually really pumped about. Or yeah. I was like, hell yes, that was great. Also, that game is great because it's the first and what still one of the only <laughs> examples of female fan service. Because the prince slowly gets naked over the course of the game. Yeah. It's hilarious. And, well, the main cheeky Farrah, she's not super slutty or anything like that. She's too. pretty slutty. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> she's the, like like kind of like a Middle Eastern princess kind of stereotype and of, kinda, like... I mean, dude, she has a bra and, like, a guzzy She's dressed skirts. like what's-her-name-from-Aladdin. No, um, Jasmine, I believe, has far more dignity than Farrah. Oh, really? Farrah's dressed not that great. Oh, I don't know. I thought she was just dressed, like, kind of... She's vaguely... got a bra and a gauzy skirt. I thought she had, like, a blazer. <laughs> Little hoodie, you know, <laughs> um, some sweatpants. Oh, I okay, me, okay, we'll scratch that then. Okay. Anyway, no, yeah. but yeah, it's so like, it's great because like first he tears off his sleeves, and then yeah, he just tears I off remember his shirt. That, yeah, and it was fucking great. I wish more <laughs> games did that. Well, I remember like like the, that game has a really shitty sequel, but they kind of tie everything up nicely with the third with game, the third one. which kind of yeah. turns back into the storytelling aspect. Yeah. which that was. Also I mean, really, really that game is one of those things where it's kind of like Bioshock, the first Bioshock game, where when you have this gameplay element that turns into a storytelling element, you can't do that trick again yeah and it, I, th I really liked that i think that was totally fine contained narrative i liked that game if it was the only prince of persia game i'd be happy Let's see what's your next game bill shenmue this is another shenmue! this is another game that everyone hates shenmue no i enjoyed shenmue but it was a you know it was one of, it was the first game i ever played. i am not saying it's a good game <laughs> i'm just saying it's one of my fondly remembered i games. enjoyed that game except it was like <laughs> the I didn't realize you played Shenmue. Yeah, I, bar I had a friend, because 
because I had a P PlayStation and my friend had a Dreamcast, and so I we would have an exchange. Yeah, it was on the Dreamcast, so no one played Dreamcast. I played I played Shenmue and I played Skies of Arcadia, and those are the only Dreamcast mm. games I ever played. Sure I love Skies of Arcadia. Just, yeah, I cool. beat it. Fuck you, I yeah. love Skies of Arcadia. How far no, into Shenmue did you get? I think I did beat it. But yeah, mostly, no, it's a short game. It's like a ten-hour game. That was the first game where I was doing like, what is the job you do where you're operating the forklift? Because Shenmue, you, the thing about Shenmue is that you're pretty much this dude living a life in. No, the basic plot of Shenmue is you're this guy living in. Is it 1986 Japan? You're living yeah. on some kind of like a uh, harbor village off the coast yeah. of Japan, uh, or on the coast of Japan, and your father gets murdered by some, like Chinese gangsters. Yeah. And uh, you're trying to find out who murdered him, and so you're just working in your small town, just trying to interrogate people and figure out who yeah. killed him. It's a murder mystery. And then you move but to yeah, the big city. You move to the big city, which is really just half a square block of kind of like three storefronts. Yeah. And a warehouse where, yeah, <laughs> tell them what you do. You get, yeah, you, you get a job first um, carrying um, like stuff yourself. Yeah, just walking around like carrying a box of stuff from here to here. And then um, then you get to a, a promotion, you get to operate a forklift. But the thing is, so in this game, you know, you're just a normal schmo. It's so as you're a role playing game. It's yeah. like a J Japanese stab at, like, not a stat-based role-playing game. It's yeah. more like, and you're literally pay playing a role, like, so you have to make money so you can make rent. Yeah. And there are, like, vending machines where you can buy soda and food and, like, toys, and there are, like, arcade games you can go play. You blow the money you spend uh, driving a forklift on toys. And have, <laughs> Just because like now you're short, yeah, you have to go back to driving the forklift. Yep. And you have to, like, the forklift isn't a fun little cute mini game. No, it's awful. You have to play that for, like, half an hour at a time, and that yeah. is your day of work. And once you get off work, then you can go off and do, like, uh, try to solve the a mystery of oh, your man, father's Oh, man, and there's terrible murder. romances in that game. Oh, Shenmue yeah. is such a dick. But you know what? The <laughs> one thing I like about Shenmue is its sense of place. That was yeah. one of the first experiences uh, of me playing a game where I felt transported to another place. And this yeah. just happened to be... Uh, well, it's just because not just the fact that it's a, a, a Japanese village, but it's Japanese yeah. village in 1986. 1986. And they do a great specific. job of, like, you can listen to music, but, like, you've got, like, it's a little Walkman you listen to. It's not like a disc yeah. or anything like that. And, like, all the toys, like, you can go to an arcade and all the uh, uh, arcade games that are there are all 1986 yeah. uh, Sega games. Uh, there's a little jazz bar where it's like just playing like night like crappy 1986 Japanese jazz. Yeah. And uh, this doesn't help. This is one of the first games. Yeah, just it's it's not a very expansive game. You're just playing this very tiny Japanese village, but you can like walk down the back alleys and stuff, and like there'll yeah. be kids and like be petting a cat, and you can bend over and pet the cat too. And then your parents will, like, start yelling. You'll start hearing, like, your parents will give you shit if you don't come home in time by, like, 11 o'clock. Yeah. And you have to go home, but then you can explore your house. You could, like, literally, like, just, like, pull out all the drawers in your house and just look at shit. You could like, go to your dad's little office and just open yeah. his drawers. There's nothing really to find, except yeah. for a couple uh, clues. It's just immersion. For this murder mystery. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the immersion. The gameplay itself... Uh, a lo big part of the game is just finding the uh, bad guys who killed your dad and just beating there them up. There are abrupt, terrible fight scenes. Well, this is the first game that also invented quick time. Oh, man, quick, quick time, time events! This is where it came oh. That's the phrase quick time events was oh, invented God. by this game. Where oh, I forgot! You might walk out in the middle of a street and then almost suddenly get hit in the face by a soccer, soccer ball. ball. Oh, my but God! But then you the A button to smack the soccer ball Can we away. do a list of your least favorite games? Shenmue just got I on know. that list from It's that. simultaneously the best and the worst. Oh, like I said, man. It's not a good game, but it's a favorite game of mine. But yeah, no, seriously, like, I, I really like it. No, I can understand that. Yeah. I, I'm totally with you on that. The immersion is pretty fantastic. Uh, Tycho from Penny Arcade. Uh, not, ooh, who's the smart one? Who's the writerly one? <laughs> Tycho. Tycho. He, uh, a couple years ago, he did a great write-up about Shenmue, where he expressed exactly what I'm saying now, where that was one of the first times he felt like he was taken to another place and yeah. time, just yeah. through a video game, even though the game was shallow and as dumb as a brick.
Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It's almost like all the the game developer really transparently cared about was the immersion. Yeah. You can go buy Sonic Bubble Toys. I hate Sonic the Hedgehog, but the fact that I go buy a Sonic Bubble Toy... Sonic didn't exist in 1986. I know it was... No, it was was Sonic, Sonic, I think. I think there was there was it broke the ball a little bit because I think you could also buy like virtual fighter toys. Yeah, yeah. But then you could also buy like shitty like like Pocky and stuff like that too. It was very cute. Anyway, Shenmue, shut up, Bill. Shenmue. See, I can't really make fun of you because my last game that I wrote on my list because you mentioned man games of this generation. I don't have any games of this generation, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, if I had to choose any one game from this last generation, yeah. And I feel bad saying this. Saboteur. What's wrong with that? Saboteur I would, is a bad I was, game. I almost chose uh, either Dark Souls or Saints Row Three on this list. <laughs> Saboteur. I what is I love about Saboteur is that Sabot- I never. I I'm writing this down. No one, no one but me feels this way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure even the mothers oh, of the developers of Saboteur don't feel this way. But oh, man. so there are a lot of Grand Theft Auto clones out there, and. I think your love for Saboteur is like my love for Saints Row. Yeah, it's go it's, ahead. It's I mean it's so if you it's it's a totally the Grand Theft Auto model, but it's brilliant because the reason why I could never get into Grand Theft Auto is that I don't want to be a criminal and I don't want to kill innocents. Yeah, I'm the sort of person who will obey the traffic laws in Grand Theft Auto and get really uncomfortable when I'm asked not to. I'm not that kind of person. Saboteur is brilliant because it's Grand Theft Auto with Nazis, and let's be, there's there are no there's no fucking around. You're gonna kill the Nazis. Yeah. And that is the only game, that was the first game that I ever 100%ed myself. Because it was really. Like, you bought I that for like that $5 game. on a win, or like, was it 10 oh, or 20 it was bucks? $5. And you played the shit out of it. I played that game more than anyone else on this planet, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. there are QA testers who only played like half of as much Saboteur as I played. Somebody didn't have the Inglorious Bastard soundtrack to listen to. I do. To, I cannot hear the songs that they use in that game without thinking of, of, of Saboteur. I'm like, I'm killing a Nazi right but now. But doing, like, essentially taking GTA and putting it in World War II. It's that's brilliant. A fucking idea. So they had, like, some. And they and so they had. It was. It, 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 it for another reason, number of reasons, mostly because it was half baked. You could tell they needed like six more months of development, and they had to brush it out. Um, this the uh, characters weren't super strong, and the it was right around the time of one of the Assassin's Creed games, and I think like, yeah, it got totally got overshadowed uh, overshadowed by it. well, and there yeah. were there are no, like no, no, no. B- like parkour climbing elements in yeah. in Saboteur that I enjoy, but they're so much worse than. Because it's it's just an element that you can do. Because well, the premise sure of the Saboteur didn't have the time and money that the Assassin's yeah. Creed guys have. In a, in a perfect world, in ten years, I have enough money to make a remake of the Saboteur. That's my perfect world. The Saboteur, you play an Irishman, an Irish race car. It's just this game is ridiculous. Oh, I forgot that starts off with ten. You too. are you are an Irish race car. Oh yeah, the Saboteur was notorious because it had um, if you bought it day one, you got a um, a coupon. That you could um, unlock titties in the game. Titty you could unlock the um, uh, adults-only mode because where you could opening, see a strip club yeah, and everything. Opening, uh, yeah, cinematic takes place in the strip joint. So um, in that game, you play an Irish race car driver who gets caught up in the French Resistance um, during World War II, and you are ultimately trying to defeat an evil Nazi German scientist race car driver. Yeah. It's awful. It's a stupid game, but it's like it's, it's it's all the perfect elements of Grand Theft Auto, except you're killing Nazis. So I'm like, of course I want to go and kill every Nazi in the city and there's a great mechanic where the city is in black and white and as you liberate the city color is added to it so you know that a part of the city is, is has resisted has successfully you know shot, shot free of the nazis because there's color in it now 
And so there's like this, this there's a, if you're driving through the city on a chase scene, you'll be going through colored scenes and, and black and white scenes, and you're like, fuck, I've got to go back and liberate those bitches. Because you liberate them just by killing Nazis. Yeah. Like climbing on buildings and sniping them and sneaking up behind them and breaking their necks. And that is so satisfying. And it has my favorite climax in any video game. I wish that everyone could play it just to see the last level of that game, because it is really like fighting it out on the Hindenburg or something? No, it's just really, and the thing is, is that I, if I could tell you to go look it up on YouTube, but you totally lose you it have, unless you have play, to play it, it. Yeah. you, um, basically the Nazis lose hard and they realize it and they fall apart. And you walk into this bunker, or it's an Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower has been converted into basically this club for just German officers. And, but they've realized, this is where the German officers have fallen to, like the upper ranks of the Nazis, and at least in Paris. And they realize they've lost everything. And you just walk through this room full of broken men. Some of them have committed suicide. Damn. Like there's a song that, that plays throughout the, the, the game. And as you, you enter this place, and it's a very, like you've had this insane fight, like car race scene and this fighting, and you get to that tower and you're ready to face the villain. And you hear the, the song playing that's been like kind of the theme song, except it's just a very soft piano like version of it just like someone playing it one hand in the piano and as you get up the Eiffel Tower it's one of the German officers playing it on the piano huh. and he stops playing and picks up a pistol and shoots himself and like they're they're I mean they've I mean it's I, mean, I can't I can't see like and there's like a nut like move a final boss no you find and then you get to the top of the Eiffel Tower you have this talk to this guy and you shoot him Oh, okay. Because he's just a dude. You plant one That's bullet like, in him, like a and he's dead. Thing going on. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It was great. It was the most satisfying ending I've See, ever that, had no, that to any video really game. Cool. Yeah. And it was so unexpected because the whole game is so it's it's very Inglorious Bastards e in that it's based in no reality, no morality. It's just ridiculous bullshit. The broadest cultural stereotypes of these characters, <laughs> and then it has this really nice kind of subtle ending. Yeah. It was fantastic. The saboteur. Hey, I God love it. That, that sounds actually pretty cool. I want to go play it again right now. Just Aww. talking about you it. You should. Go pick up your cat food and play this episode. I will. I have one more game we'll talk about very quickly because Annie needs to get out of here. Uh, the World Ends With You, which is a uh, role-playing game for the DS uh, made by Square, which is the last good game Square will ever make. <laughs> uh, it is interesting because it's a role-playing game that takes place in modern times. Yeah. It's an action role-playing game, too, because it's not really based on stats and stuff like that as much. It's just kind of like hack-and-slash stuff. And that game was famous for the fact that like you had you uh, had two combatants you had to control at the same time, one hmm. on the top screen of the DS and one on the bottom. Oh, interesting. And you're duking it out in the middle of Shibuya in Tokyo, like kind of mm -hmm. like the big uh, hipster like fashion district or whatever the hell that is. And uh, it, the story's a little goofy because it's involves these like really hipster kind of like young kids who are yeah. kind of annoying and grating, especially the main character at the beginning who's like super emo and he's just walking around like he's got his headphones on he's like oh man i hate everybody everyone's so stupid well how well, i wish everyone in the whole world was dead he gets killed and the rest of the game is, is him trying to fight off the force of darkness where they're trying to like they're going around killing people and like putting them into this after game in the afterlife where like people have to fight for their souls and hmm. all kinds of crazy shit like that and uh, it's interesting uh, from a story point of view because this uh, kid learns humility and he also learns to start depending on other people but not in a really corny way yeah um, he like he's, essentially it's 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 taking the RPG uh, Japanese role playing game stereotype of the main character being an asshole, uh, and it has him not become an asshole in a way that is just much more deftly handled than any other Japanese role playing game I've ever seen. Huh. And 
it's it's also interesting. Uh, the combat's interesting because, like I said, it's, it's you're playing yeah, as two characters speak, at the same yeah. time, uh, which that throws off a lot of people. But it's really fun if you can figure it out. Uh, the instead of armor, you're wearing different fashion lines of clothes, huh. and uh, the city is kind of uh, busted up into different districts and different uh, clothing lines are popular in different areas. And, uh, to, like, uh, the effectiveness of your clothing is dependent on how popular that clothing line is in, in that district. It's oh, really yeah. weird, but it's a, kind of a cool mechanic. Uh, all your health and power-ups are all, like, bowls of ramen <laughs> and hot dogs and stuff like that. And uh, the big power-ups you use in the game, instead of magic spell spells, it's little one-inch, like, punk pins. Yeah. And, like, what pins you're wearing on your clothes. So you, like, you know, usually, like, you would have a band pin or something like that. Uh, instead of this, will be like you, you can like like a uh, levitate cars and throw them and sh uh, set shit on fire, all kinds of stuff like that, which yeah. is very cool. Um, the best part of the game, though, is once you beat the game, it unlocks a uh, essentially another playthrough of the game where the story whole game is making fun of itself. Oh, seriously? Where all the story tropes in the game, like it starts making fun of itself because it's a Japanese role playing game, starts yeah. making fun of how even like the, the the opening character when he's an asshole again, he's like, "Boy, I'm an asshole." I'm sure an asshole. Oh, I hope I don't learn anything interesting lessons about how to deal with people <laughs> in this game. And like everyone's just like like suddenly turns into a cartoon of themselves, like making fun of themselves. It's almost a little bit like uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, the next to the last episode, where yeah. you go see the play based on themselves. Yeah, oh, man, it's, that's brilliant. It's like that, but that's the last mode of the game where you can like, like it only unlocks after you've beaten the game. But it's that game's got a lot of heart. And the music is great, yeah. and it's got a lot of style, and they'll never make a sequel because that game bombed like a motherfucker, yeah. even in Japan. So, The World Ends With You is one of my favorite role-playing games of all time, and yeah. All right. We like video games. Video games? What was your, what was your last pick, Saboteur? Saboteur. Okay, I just want to write down lists because so when I put uh, yeah, music one in One the... day, I will meet another person who likes the saboteur as much as I do, and then I will believe in doppelgangers, because there is no way that any other human being likes um, uh, that game as much as I do. Yes. It's, it's... <laughs> I like you're just, like, embarrassed with yourself how much you like it now. You look kind of sad. It's, it's not a good no game. Gonna... It's one of my favorite games, and like I said, that ending is so out of left field, and so satisfying, and so great, and no one else knows about it. Yeah. It's like, I feel... Oh. You know what? We should have a game club where you play The World's End With You and I play The Saboteur. So you will shit on The Saboteur and I can't handle no, anyone shitting on The Saboteur. Yes, you will. You want to do that? You can't be we making can The Saboteur. Well, what will we say about it? Well, come on. I, I can play sure Saints like Row. Seas. I don't We can figure out something. <laughs> I'm willing to try it. This is even aside from the podcast it's like game a club. Bad, it's a bad Grand Theft Auto mechanic, too. I mean, the, it's, the shooting is not very good. The driving is awful. But I don't care because it's Nazis. It'd be worth it just to make you play The World's Ends With You for five minutes and see if you can handle it. Because it is fucking retarded, but it's great. Uh, all right, anyway, friends, so that's those this are our favorite podcast. video games. We have to cut things short because Annie's got a date at the pet food store. That's right. Seriously. Uh, next week's podcast, Annie will not be here because it's her birthday and I'm giving her the that's week right. off. I get to have meatloaf and lots of sex with my wife. I thought you were going to the beach, but we'll, we'll let if you... If the weather will let me, I will go to the if beach. If you may have a pork Never be instead. born in February. That's yeah, what I have learned God. in the course of my life. You can't do anything outside of your birthday. So next week's podcast, in, in, in Annie's stead, we're going to have uh, Dylan McConus and Katie Lane here to talk about Star Trek. Uh, because uh, next Wednesday will be the day after Star Trek The Next Generation comes out in Blu-ray. We'll be talking about that and just Star Trek in general. <laughs> and goddamn, you'll be miss missing a giant-sized bullet by not being here. So, okay, so that's the uh, Boy Howdy podcast. We can be found at boyhowdy.org. We're Boy Howdy podcast on the Twitters. Of course, we're howdy at boyhowdy.org. If you have played Saboteur, email me, and you will be my only friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Take care, y'all.